does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Indianapolis Colts football is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to Lucas Oil Stadium, the site of week five. It's the Colts and the Titans. Third and short for the Colts. Quick shotgun snap for Richardson. Big run for the Colts. There they go. Indianapolis inside the 20. Zach Moss the 10. He's at the 5. Touchdown. Zach Moss rips it away from 56 yards out. And Anthony Richardson's going to pull it out. He's going to run it right side. He's across the 25, trying to get to the 30. He's down at the 29. And Anthony Richardson is down on the field, and Lara Overton looks like he's pointing to his right shoulder after taking a shot on that rushing play. Yep. Harold Landry was draped on his back to bring him down. Anthony Richardson is currently sitting on the field, writhing in pain. Three receivers bunched left for the Colts. They're right back onto the ball. Ball between the hash marks. Binshew out of the gun. Moss is back to the left side. Binshew to Moss. Slithering. Bouncing off tacklers. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Two touchdowns today for Zach Moss. This is fourth and a long yard. Colts lead 20-16. to 16. Here we go. Tannehill backing up into the shotgun. Sends a couple of people in motion. Now Chris Moore goes to the left side. They give it to Derrick Henry. No. He is hit at the line no. of scrimmage. Pushed backwards, and the Colts defense has come up with a stop. Zaire Franklin. Tannehill between the hash marks. Three receivers deployed to the right side. Spears is back to the left. Waiting on a shotgun snap. He takes a belt high. Backs the throw. In the pocket. Looking. Going to chuck it downfield. It's picked off by the Colts. Intercepted by Indianapolis at the 50-yard line. And that's Julian Blackman with the game-sealing interception with 10 seconds to go. Final score on the Ruoff Mortgage scoreboard. It's the Colts 23 and the Titans 16. So that's how it sounded yesterday for Matt Taylor. Lara Overton, you heard there. Rick Venturi, the Colts Radio Network. And, of course, there really were two big subplots, if you will, that probably are the main storylines of yesterday that carry on beyond just the Colts getting a win over Tennessee, snapping that streak, first win at home since, what, like 11 months ago, ten almost a year ago, I guess, actually. Uh, but the big storyline, let's be real, is the fact that Anthony Richardson suffered what appears to be, and this stuff starts to far eclipse my intellectual capability but a shoulder sprain for lack of a better phrase and I hate to say this I, I I'm hesitant slash apologetic I guess for confessing this because I don't want this to come off the wrong way but when he got hurt and I won't say any names but up in the press box not flippantly but in all seriousness those that I sit beside up in the press box we all were kind of speculating we didn't wager but you know everybody's trying to say like oh gosh like how long do you think he'll be out and it ranged everywhere from I had said two to four weeks I was like I'll bet you that looks like he's out two to four weeks I thought it looked like a shoulder separation at the time um several other people like man he looks like he's out for the year looks like it could be what like a month Jimmy Cook's six weeks we we don't know at this point we'll find out more over the course of the next few days as the Colts do an MRI on Anthony Richardson that's story number one story two of course Jonathan Taylor 
back in the mix. Resigned that news coming out on Saturday. It interrupted the Wiener Dog races that I was calling at German Fest, which was awesome. Uh, but good morning, or good afternoon, I guess I should say, to you on a Monday. Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, it is Quarry and Company on a Colts win Monday. Jimmy, um, yesterday a performance where I thought the Colts kind of beat Tennessee at Tennessee's vintage game. Yeah, I mean, you were able to dictate things from the line of scrimmage for a large part of that game. We had talked about it in terms of what Derrick Henry could do on the other side. You basically did that to the Titans, to your point, Jake, but not in the form of a massive day from Jonathan Taylor. Uh, shout out to Robin the Genie, as I'll, I'll take the hypothetical million-dollar check whenever. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor ends up playing in that game, and he got a total of about 10 snaps uh, from the snap chart that was released yesterday. Eddie Garrison nods his head vigorously, so I'm correct on that front, but it was primarily done with Zach Moss and a couple of big plays by him, and, and give credit to the offensive line. His touchdown run was... Again, it's a one moment. It's a one-off. So I'm not going to say necessarily, oh, the Colts line is back. But it was one of those just massive, please run through it holes that we saw so often throughout John Taylor's highly successful 2021 campaign. And again, that's not to say I'm always a guy of it's synergy between O-line and running back. You know, they both work in cognate, say with one another, and it's not necessarily just because the back's not necessarily just because the offensive line, though higher talent at both ends will help each other out. Zach Moss is the beneficiary yesterday. The Colts were able to dictate the tempo outside of the Titans field goal to go ahead early. It never felt like to me like it was a game in doubt. It was a very dominant performance across the board by the Colts. And the other thing, and we'll get into this as the show goes on, where I stand with Anthony Richardson and his availability and where I stand with my controversial opinion on what the Colts should be doing this season, I will take my foot off the gas for one reason and one reason only, and this is a reason that we highlighted a couple weeks ago, having a backup like Gardner Minshew allows you to get a clear evaluation for what this offense can be under Shane Steichen, for what this wide receiver room can be under Shane Steichen, and find out what you have moving forward. So while it stinks that it's likely an extended absence, though Anthony Richardson is seeking a second opinion, the idea of having a backup, the quality of Gardner Minshew waiting in the wings doesn't make it a lost season. It allows you to still get evaluation and still be a competitive football team in a way that I think can be helpful for the franchise. You know one thing that was pointed out to me yesterday, and and I haven't heard a lot made of this because I think there's a danger in making too much of this, but it's interesting. And I don't mean it like in, you know, hmm, interesting. I just mean like I think it's interesting. I, I really don't read into it. But to your point, what is the record of the Indianapolis Colts? Currently three and two. Who are their two losses? To Jacksonville and to the Rams. Which two games did Anthony Richardson start and finish? Well, he's left every game early. The only game he did not appear in was the Ravens game. Correct. Did he did he leave the Rams game early? He did finish that game, no. No, right. no, he left it early. The Rams game? Oh, Rams game, no, I'm thinking of... Okay. Um, did he leave the Jaguars game early? Yes. That's the game I was thinking of, yeah. Yes. But very, I, very late, but yes. But Steichen did okay. say he would have returned, but the game was just Correct. over at that point. But so that's being used in the conversation so in, of he's left every so game early. Which three games has Gardner Minshew been the primary quarterback? Primary quarterback would have been the Ravens. Okay. Baltimore, Houston, and then... Yesterday. Yes. Okay. Which three games have the Colts won? <laughs> yes. 
Now, I don't make anything. I mean, honestly, I make nothing of that. I think it's. I think it speaks to your point that Gardner Minshew is a very capable backup. By no means am I saying the Colts should start Gardner Minshew this year to try to like make a playoff run. Uh, that's not going to happen, and it shouldn't happen when Anthony Richardson is healthy. But it does show that you have a quarterback as a backup who clearly is capable of running your offense, and perhaps at this point is better capable of running the offense in terms of fluidity from one series to the next more consistently than Anthony Richardson. But the ceiling is far higher with Anthony. I get it. And and that's why, not to you, Jake, but to any Gardner Minshew truthers out there that feel the way you do to a further extent to the point of like, ah, it should have been Minshew from the get-go. We have a better chance to win now. Imagine they didn't draft Anthony Richardson and the only move that was made this offseason at quarterback was acquiring Gardner Minshew. What would we be saying about Gardner Minshew? We'd be happy that they're 3-2, and two, but when things eventually start to fall apart... How would he be labeled? He'd be labeled as another Band-Aid on another Band-Aid on another Band-Aid of trying to find a temporary fix to the situation. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's played for every team in the NFL, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is a very serviceable, smart, gutsy quarterback. Yep. And there's a reason he's played for every team in the NFL. Because you knew teams that got Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's like, sweet, we're going to finish above 500, maybe get a, a wild card. And it's just such a hard vat to get out of because you get stuck in that middle territory. And at some point, you have to do what both the Colts and Pacers have done in the last year, which is say, you know what? We got to start from the bottom up. And I'll give both credit. But Gardner Minshew, to your point, Jimmy, probably does give you a full evaluation of where things are offensively. And that matters. And that leads to, which I'll tell you in about 20 minutes, one of the things that I think is a very possible but easily overlooked aspect as to why Jonathan Taylor was re-signed. Everybody, so I'm sitting there Saturday. Gorgeous day. Beautiful. At German Fest, which is a an awesome event. If I was like... Did the favorite win? Did the, fav- the favorite wiener dog win? Excellent question, uh, Eddie. I'm not a degenerate like the two of you, so I don't know the gambling odds of the wiener dog races. But uh, By the way, at the separate wiener dog race that I was at, for an undisclosed location for our dog uh the Excuse parents me. were i don't want to cross promote i feel like that's in bad taste for but the this event was you a did. this was a like this wasn't some secretive <laughs> my oktoberfest po- right his was oktoberfest but the no, one his was, was german fest. fest or his was german fest the one i the one i went to was yes an oktoberfest theme okay. event but the point is to your comment about degeneracy how far it spread there were a couple of dads joking about okay what do you think this one who are we taking who's the favorite here all right i'll, yeah, I'll bet yeah, you this I mean, good so just just so you know it's out I there make sure no dogs were harmed we, we need to be clear <laughs> on that uh in the wiener dog races we had a one o'clock two o'clock four o'clock and five o'clock races Eddie, Ooh. Uh, two heats per hour, and then a winner per hour. The four uh, winners, there were four separate winners. The two that I can recall, Bernie was who is a defending champion was unbelievable, and Bernie took home the one o'clock prize. Uh, Thor, big controversy was Thor <laughs> jumped out to a huge lead at five o'clock, but it was determined that uh, there was a false start. Ooh, so Thor they had to redo. Thor was a little winded at that point, uh, which allowed, I believe, it was Gunner. To take the win. Mm. Gunner was going all the way. I assume so, Thor's camp was not happy. Thor's camp uh, was, that is correct. There was some review, and I told him, I'm like, I'm just the messenger. We also had a brat eating contest and a stein holding competition. So I'm in the middle of it, and then all of a sudden, like, my phone blows up, and I look down, and it's because Jonathan Taylor uh, has signed. 
and I'll be honest, and so so what I'm doing here is going back chronologically to kind of recap up to yesterday's win, the order of events that we will discuss heavily over the course of today, including with Mike Chappell at 1 o'clock. In terms of the Jonathan Taylor signing, Jimmy, it's neither here nor there. I, I guess in the end, both sides won because the Colts have a dynamic part of their offense back. Jonathan Taylor got the contract that essentially he wanted. Um, but I thought... In the end, the Colts kind of look foolish, to be honest with you, because they played this like hardball stance, and we're not going to sign him. You know, we're not going to do extensions right now, etc. And then they end up signing him yeah. and making him one of the highest paid backs. So what was the holdup? That I mean, that would be the qu- health, maybe. And the number wasn't again this number, not his number, but the number of hypothetical that was thrown out, sixteen or seventeen million a year, whatever it was, was never confirmed by anybody. It was just thrown out into the rumor mill of the ether, and then it was picked up. That's what the thought was. It was a big number that the Colts just didn't want to pay. Yes, he's a high, he's up one of the highest paid running backs now in professional football, but he's one of the best backs in professional football. He's worthy of a $13, $14 million a year deal. And the way the thing's structured, Jake, it's we'll get into it later, but it's beneficial for both parties, but I think there is a clear winner out of it when you look closer to the details. So I think there was something that factored in. I had mentioned this on Saturday. People were like, why, why did they wait until now? I do think that a factor, not definitive, but I think a factor on why they waited to go ahead and ink Jonathan Taylor were twofold. Number one, probably, I, I really don't know how big health was an issue because I think he was healthy. Same. But there was a hard line stand there from both sides. And I think the Colts caved a little bit because they wanted to make sure, I think the Colts wanted to make certain that they had their guy at quarterback before committing to the pieces around him. It it would not have behooved the Colts to have given Jonathan Taylor a ton of money and then figured out that they just drafted Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, Johnny Manziel. Yeah. So once they saw that, okay, yeah, this is the guy. We can put some pieces around him. Then you go out and you cement Jonathan Taylor. And then, as I mentioned in about – we'll talk about coming up here in a little bit. I think there's a second – factor that comes into play and I think it has tentacles that reaches further into the Colts roster on the Jonathan Taylor situation that's story number one story number two is this Jimmy the narrative that Anthony Richardson is Jonathan Bender Anthony Richardson is Bob Sanders hey this guy has played in four games and he's gotten hurt in all four he's gotten dinged up in all four essentially or I guess the Rams game he did not but um he can't make it all the way through he's made of glass it remains to be seen whether that is true or whether this is an anomaly and just a freak occurrence these are freak occurrences but two things appear to be happening in the National Football League One of those two things is that I don't know that players are necessarily getting hurt at a higher rate, although I think that there's probably some truth to that because all players on the field are bigger, stronger, faster. You know, I mean, literally, a safety blows you up or a corner. A corner blows you up, and instead of a 5'9", fleet of foot, you know, 
190-pound guy, it's big, strong, you know, whatever. No matter what position you're making contact, the size and the strength in the collision is pretty – it's getting bigger by the year. But – and the ferocity of the collisions are increasing by year. I also think, Jimmy, truth be told, and and I applaud this, with the escalating money and awareness in the National Football League – just of injuries in general and the ability to scrutinize things almost instantaneously of injury, I think there is a lot more precaution than there used to be. And I think you see guys now that they get – and I'm, that's do not misquote me. This is not like, oh, guys are soft. I'm not saying that. But I do think that in today's day, the commodity of the player and the analysis of injury – is such that it is easier for teams to be more ca- more cautious than in years past. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Anthony Richardson, but I just think league-wide, that's why you hear more and more about this person's on the IR, or this person mispracticed, or whatever else. But in Anthony Richardson's case, there are two things that are at play, it would seem. The first is that, obviously, he at this point, has been prone to injury. But how much of that, Jimmy, is the way they're playing him? And how much of that, you know, I was sitting next to Andy Sweeney yesterday in the press box, and I turn around to Andy Sweeney and I go, dude, do you get the impression in today's NFL that, like, Earl Campbell wouldn't make it an entire season? He's like, no doubt, man. It's just so brutal. So when you are rolling out quarterbacks and you are putting them in positions where they are vulnerable from – a standpoint of hit, you are increasing the chances these things are going to happen. And so the question is, Jimmy, do they have to start altering the way in which they use him, even though we're only essentially a quarter of the way into his first year? I mean, we're one-fortieth the way into his career. But if you were to alter the way in which you're using him, Jimmy, the reality is you then somewhat are neutering the thing that makes him unique, right? Yeah, that's been my biggest fear throughout this short, very short stint for him is he has this athletic ability to extend plays, to always be a threat to defenses, to keep everybody on their toes, to open things up more for you offensively. And it's part of the reason that he was such an attractive prospect coming out of college because of those gifts. Also because of the fact that, hey, if you can mold him as a passer, man, he can really be a true threat in the National Football League. There's two things, Jake, and one of these, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to convince you or the audience the feeling that I had because it was just so weird. And of course, it's like, oh, well, hindsight is 2020. Like, you can say that now that he got hurt. On that play, and I've rewatched it five times now to see if I can get the same feeling, and, and I kind of do, but again, I have hindsight now. On that play where he's rolling out and it's a designed run, I don't know if it's just the way he turned the corner or what, but. As he turned the corner to try to advance the ball upfield, I thought to myself, this just feels like an an unnecessary style run for him. Like you're at your own 25, you're rolling him out, a couple different jet sweep actions. The Titans appear to have it very well covered. This is probably going to be a hard hit. And the idea of being injury prone popped into my head, not him, but just the idea of injuries happening. And then, of course, he does get hurt. Now, again, I'm not saying I, I envision that. I'm not saying anything to that nature, but it felt weird. And anytime you have that feeling about a player or about the way a player is being used, 
maybe it is time to take a slight step back. I'm not saying, like you mentioned, Jake, to neuter his ability as a dual-threat quarterback, but maybe feel out how situationally you're doing it. And I haven't watched every Ravens game this year, but one thing that, and Eddie, if I'm wrong on this, correct me, in which case I'll stop talking and give the ball back to Jake. One thing I've not noticed this year is I'm not talking a ton about, like, granted he played bad yesterday, but Lamar Jackson's safety. Like, that, that's not been a narrative this year. They, they've changed a bit about him. They had two drop touchdowns and from wide receivers. Okay, so thank you. Again, I, I'll be honest, that game I watched primarily was red zone. I was more focused on Colts and Titans yesterday. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, you can safely change some of what a quarterback does without fully undercutting and neutering his ability to be a dual-threat QB. And I think they just need to find a happy balance with that because plays like that, again, it's easy to say in hindsight, I get it, but it felt unnecessary. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it and maybe a coaching staff would laugh at me and that's fine, but like, I'd like to see a package like that in the red zone. Here's the thing, Jimmy. I think that, that when it comes to Anthony Richardson as a quarterback right now, and yesterday I thought he threw the ball well, but I think they are still trying to find stability in the passing game with him. Sure. In particular, in terms of accuracy. And with that said, I think part of how they find that stability is getting him in a comfort zone, which is utilizing his legs. I mean, that's what separates him from other other quarterbacks, is his ability to keep defenses at bay and off guard. Now, maybe now that you have in Zach Moss yesterday, we haven't mentioned Zach Moss. Huge day for Zach Massive. Moss, and yep. kudos to him, right? So with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor there, maybe part of that factors into it that you want to keep offenses at bay to allow Richardson to settle in a little bit in the passing game and taking away the necessity of getting him exposed. And by exposed, I don't mean exposed in weakness. I mean out there where he's vulnerable and of getting hit. Right. Maybe that's part of it. But I do think that part of the running game and using him on rollouts and things like that and design draws, it, it, part of that is incorporating to soften things up to allow him to throw the ball. Right. Once he gets comfortable and throw, and I don't know, it, it probably takes an entire year for that to happen, maybe even two, for him to get completely comfortable working his mechanics, where his elbow is at release that's causing overthrows. We've seen less of that, but again, I, I think there's a danger in evaluating from a passing standpoint one game as a season and saying like see he had he was nine of 12 so he's good to go in the passing game you have to see it routinely week in and week out for a while um mike chapel going to join us at one o'clock today we'll have plenty of colts conversation eddie uh, don fisher colts or excuse me iu coming off a bye but don fisher now is he upset about my prediction no he wants to figure out how you came to the conclusion that iu is going to defeat michigan on saturday listen Don's going to be thrilled. Aren't we all? <laughs> Don's going to be thrilled, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm about to go two for two. Yeah, congratulations, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm surprised it took us 23 we'll, minutes to get to this. We, we will let everybody know on the other side where I'm about to go two for two. And we'll find out why Don Fisher is, like, why he wants to. And that there's a danger in picking my brain. But we'll do that with Don Fisher, and then I'll get into why I think what the. What perhaps is a back-channel motivation for Jonathan Taylor being signed and how it could impact the health and growth of Anthony Richardson? And it has nothing to do with handing off the football. 
I'll explain all of that coming up as well. It's a Monday. It's a Colts win Monday. How are you? If you are working today, thank you for making us a part of it on this federal holiday. If you are not, thanks nonetheless. While you are taking the day off or whatever you might be doing to making making us feel a part of it here. Quarry Company on a Colts win Monday, 93.5-1075 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, at the end of the show on Friday... I told you guys there was going to be one, I don't know if you'd say upset, but what is the one game that I adamantly predicted would happen on Friday in terms of a ranked opponent Wyoming, this weekend? Wyoming and Fresno State. I said that the Pokes were going to beat Fresno State in Laramie, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that that was a nationally televised game that had 74 people in Wyoming watching it and one in Marion County. Because it was on at the same time as, you know, Notre Dame Louisville, for example, was on at the same time. Yeah. But in fact, Wyoming gets the win, right? It did. I am proudly wearing what today? A Wyoming sweatshirt. I know. And here's the thing. Because of my genius, I became so warm. Hang on just a second. I like the Cowboys, by the way, on the collar as well. It's a nice touch. Yeah, you like that? Hang yeah. on just a second. I'm it's good. Step aside in case this pulls my shirt up. I don't want to show bare skin on the air. All right. So we're having a quick little, little You could have at cage. least moved the mic w- with you there. It's all right. And now, still repping a Wyoming shirt. Hang on just a second. My hair's a little tossed. <laughs> <laughs> Full on Wyoming. We got the hat now, okay. too. Okay. I like that. The, so, you, got the, you got the matching underwear, too? I, I, I love don't know. the script hats. Well, thank you. Big, fan of the script, big, big, big fan of the script hats. So, <laughs> Wyoming got the win. The other game that I have wildly predicted, and I will admit it's becoming a little more challenging to justify my prediction. But joining us now, Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, who is going to have a heck of a Saturday upcoming because Indiana's going to win at Michigan. And I'm being serious. I know you are. Don Fisher joins us now. Don, first off, how was the, the bye weekend? Did you get a chance to relax a little bit? I played a couple of rounds of golf. Uh, I didn't do it on the bye weekend. I actually did it early in the week before I hurt my arm on the bye weekend. <laughs> so, but no, it was, a, it was a good week to have off obviously for the football team as well. And uh, a lot of changes have happened since that time. So obviously, uh, but I, the only reason I really wanted to come on the air today with you is just, I've just got to find out where in God's earth did you get the idea that Indiana was going to beat Michigan this coming Saturday? Now, Don, now first off, I want to make sure you don't have a, a, a grade three AC joint sprain in the golf. Yeah, arm, you weren't you? rolling out for a five-yard right. quarterback keeper yeah. on your own 25, were you? No, I I had an AC sprain in high school. I uh, had one of those, and it was about a month <laughs> before I got back in. I got back in just in time to realize that I was not good enough to be playing as a starter. <laughs> the team went 4-0, and all of a sudden, that was that, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, Don, here's my thought process, okay? A couple of things. It's been a while for Indiana over Michigan, right? 24, 24 <laughs> yes, straight, I think, for Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you. A couple of things come into play here. And and I want to be clear, I'm not even trying to be like like flippantly making fun of Indiana. Admittedly, Don, I was a little more bullish is probably the wrong word. I thought at the beginning of the season I didn't Clinical? think Indiana would have the the struggles they've had to this yeah. point. Offensively speaking, so to speak, just in terms of trying to find something offensively. Um they've shown moments where they could get good quarterback play, and I think that's encouraging. 
I think that they have a defense that have guys that are still wearing name tags with one another because they haven't necessarily – I think they've got some skilled players, but they haven't been around each other a lot, obviously, and they're trying to find their way through there. Now, um, part of it, too, with Michigan – I look at Michigan and I go, okay, they beat East Carolina. Great, right? They beat UNLV. I, I mean, you know, was, was Stacey Augman out there? They beat Bowling Green. Okay, a MAC team, right? They beat Rutgers, 31-7. I think Rutgers is probably decent. They beat Nebraska, but we've been waiting for like 10 years for Nebraska to be Nebraska. And they beat Minnesota pretty handily, 52-10. Then they have the fighting Hoosiers coming to the big house. But they have Michigan State the week after that. And then they have Penn State two weeks after that. So if Michigan is going to lose to Indiana, I could see it being a game where perhaps they overlook Indiana a little bit trap because game. it's Indiana. Yes, yeah, trap, trap game, right? Game. Indiana clearly, Don, needs to find some offensive groundwork here. But um, I just feel like they're due. I mean, it really has nothing to do with – Don, my, you've known me a number of years now. My gut is a little bit bigger than it used to be, so I have to go with gut instinct when it hits me. Does any of that work in terms of a justification for my prediction? None. <laughs> I mean, I could – look. I've been waiting weeks for this, and here's why. Because – you don't care, but Eddie cares, and Don will appreciate the humor in it. They're getting 34. They're getting 34. <laughs> yes, Don. they are. 30, I heard it was 34 and a half, but maybe it's come down. <laughs> Somebody laid a big bet that brought it down a half point. So, Don, here's the question. You would know better than I, okay? Now, clearly, you're not necessarily totally believing my, my prediction here or my, uh, my lack of analysis in being able to justify this, right? So... Having, having said all of that, I think obviously Michigan's really good, but I don't know that Michigan, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, I don't know that Michigan yet has, has had the point to show, like they haven't had that, that, that proved game yet. It's probably the Penn State game is going to be their first big, like all chips in type game. So I just, I look at it and I go, okay, is it possible that they have that they that they will sleepwalk their way against Indiana. That's really the only thing that I could that I could pin it on other than I just thought, you know what? Indiana's do. But you tell me, Don, <laughs> with with the changes that have taken place, how much turmoil is there within Indiana right now? Well, there's definitely some turmoil because you don't make that court you don't make the court coordinator change uh, if your offensive coordinator change if there's not going to be a little turmoil. Because some players, uh, you know, as, as everybody knows, the guys fall in and out of uh, justification with their coaches, things like that. But it's the same way from a coaching perspective. I mean, there are some guys that probably thought Walt Bellows is doing a tremendous job, and there are other guys on this football team that may think that this change was uh, a necessary change. Who knows? I don't, I don't really know how the players think at this point. I do know this. The change had to be made or it should have been made um, last year, this offense was terrible. It was just not a good offense. They had n- nothing going for them. And this year, it started out uh, that the offense really didn't do much early on. And a couple of ball games that they did do something offensively, the teams that they played against were weaker defensively. So when you look at it from a pragmatic standpoint, you just have to say, is Indiana getting better or are they getting worse? Right now, it looks like they're getting worse from what they were initially. The good news is they've had a bye week. They've changed coordinators. Rod Carey comes in. I think he is a really good football coach, uh, and I think he can handle what he's asked to do as an offensive coordinator uh, because he has been that in the past as an assistant coach. 
But my, my feeling at this point is, how can you make that many changes at this point in the season? You certainly can't change the scheme. These kids are used to it. They've been coached in it for the last three months or so. Um, there's no doubt it's, it's, it's a problem. And I, I would say this. The bye week has helped. Michigan's probably going to overlook Indiana a little bit. Whether they overlook a dramatic amount or not, we will have to wait and see. And has Rod Carey had enough time to install what he wants to install in regard to the simplification of the playbook or getting guys to understand their roles a little bit better, whatever the case may be, right now this this program is in turmoil because of this situation. Two changes midseason in the last two years with your offensive line coach and now your offensive coordinator. And at this juncture, you just don't what, – what do you think? I mean, all you can think is things aren't working and now we're making changes – so it appears to be a little chaotic, to say the least. So, Don, I, I want to, and I want to be respectful of it, Don. I don't want to, you know, I realize you're the voice of the football team, right? And, and you do the coaches' show. I mean, I don't want to put you in a totally bad spot here. So, feel free to say, look, I, I don't, I don't want to get into that. But I am curious of this flippancy aside. I'm curious of this fact or, or this question, I guess. When you do have those changes, and, and I think Tom Allen is a, I don't know him personally. I know people who do, and I've never heard anything other than he is a salt-of-the-earth, absolutely fine man and human being. I I don't dispute that for a second, right? From a football Uh coaching standpoint, I I feel like in any business you can only make so many changes before the employees start to wonder if the problem isn't the actual boss instead of all the changes that he's making around him. Do you believe that Tom Allen still has? Because there's no doubt guys bought in, you know, the LEO and the energy. There's no doubt that he had everybody there bought in for a while. Do you think that is still the case, or do you think there is starting to become doubt amongst the roster themselves? You know, I don't know that. And, I, and I, I'm answering, I'm not trying to be coy here and, and avoid the question. I just don't know that. I mean, I don't hear rumblings from the players or do I get anybody that's telling me of rumblings among the players that, that things aren't going well? These kids seem to stay together. They seem to love the culture that Tom has brought to this program. Uh, so I can't even answer that question with knowledge, uh, if you know what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying what you see here from the outside looking in is that there are changes being made midseason, and you got to wonder about that a little bit in regard to how everything comes together again. And I don't know if it has or it has not. All I know is I know that Rod Carey's a really good football coach, and I'm not unhappy with the change in that regard whatsoever, nor was I last year when they made the change with the offensive line situation. That being said, at this point in the season, it does cause some turmoil, to say the least. And how do these players and how do these co- the rest of the coaching staff, how do they deal with that? And we're going to find more of that out here as the rest of this season progresses. And I think this Michigan ball game on Saturday will begin that process to some degree. But at the same time, if they get blown out by Michigan, what's that going to do to the psyche of the ball club? Uh, you know, it's, and, and if they don't, uh, does it help buoy the confidence of this team? So we'll just have to wait and see on that because that's all speculation on what we're going to see on Saturday. Well, Rod Carey was awarded with the highest coordinator contract in IU history right away. So clearly Tom Allen is is, is pushing in there and believes in him. I guess, Don, I'll turn the question to you on this one. 
if, in fact, Indiana is to make me look like a genius, which is a huge task, making me look like a genius. But if Indiana is to beat Michigan, in fact, is there an area that you have seen so far that you would say, okay, that is something that perhaps they can rally behind and that's something that Indiana does well that would allow them to pull off an upset? Has there been any body of evidence in, in any way so far of an area you've seen of, of real strength that's going to be a challenge for Michigan? I, I would say this. Uh, I thought Indiana played very well defensively for a lot of football so far this season and not very well at all in just a, a minuscule number of quarters thus far. Ivy, obviously, I'm talking about the Louisville game in which they gave up 21 in the first half. Uh, and then nothing the rest of the way. And I saw, certainly saw a defense that, that at times looked like they were breaking down against Akron and certainly against Maryland. I thought the game against Maryland was the worst defensive performance of the season. Can that defense get back to what they looked like early on? I think that they can because I think they have enough talent there. And maybe your point early on that you made uh, today – about the fact that the defense at one point looked like they were, you know, they were pretty good, but they still had time to gel because they got all the new faces there. Uh, I think that's the one area you can look at and say, maybe this thing can really turn around defensively. And if it does, they might give Indiana a chance on Saturday. But the big question mark is, can they score points? Because Michigan certainly can. They haven't Correct. scored less than 30 in any ball game they've played so far this year. So their offense is rolling. But the big problem here, Jake, as I see right now, Indiana can't match their toughness inside in the, in the offensive or the defensive line. These guys have been playing lights out in those two areas on this Michigan football team. That's why they've been able to dominate everybody they've played thus far. Well, the other thing, obviously, Don, let's be real, that comes into play when you're talking Michigan, Ohio State, and probably Penn State, is that if it's a tight game or in any way, shape, or form, or the weather, you know, if it's hot, whatever it might be, you get into the third and fourth quarter, the depth of those teams is really difficult to contend with because Michigan's just rotating in other guys that would be starters at Indiana, and Indiana's having to go further down with guys that obviously are not. You know what I mean? And that's, to me, that, that becomes a big challenge. Now, this is very unprofessional of me, Don, but, you know, why start professional now? Um, <laughs> if... So, so on Saturday, if in fact Indiana is able to pull this off, will I get? Can I get like an in broadcast end of game, just kind of a tip of the hat credit at the end of the game? You might get a tip of the hat credit one way or the other in this ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. So, <laughs> let's hope it's in the positive aspect, Don. I'm telling you, let's hope Listen, it's not in the fill section Don, of the broadcast. <laughs> okay, to answer your first question, Don, I will simply say this. Okay. I have tried my hardest. I grew up a diehard Indiana fan, a diehard Indiana fan in both sports. When I was at IU as a student, I went to every football game. And that wasn't always fun, but I went to every football game. And I've always been a diehard IU fan. I have made a very conscientious effort in my career to try to be as objective as possible and at times probably erred to the other side to try to balance that out and just not have fandom in me because that's my job, right? But those lines seem to be blurred a little bit more now in today's media versus 20 years ago. I think you know that. So the answer to your question is this, Don. Why do I think Indiana will win at Michigan? I don't actually probably think they will. But I think it'd be awesome. I would love to see it. And I just felt like 
for one time, I would just push behind and try to say, you know what, I'm behind them. And I want to go in there and see them play their best and try to win a game and turn college football upside down because I think it'd be fun as heck if that's what happens. And so that's why I, I made the call and I figured, you know what, I got to stand by it at this point. So that's actually the truth serum answer. <laughs> I understand completely. I will say this. Uh, when we least had expected uh, that Indiana was going to pull off a couple of big wins during a season, it was 1987. And Indiana knocks off Ohio State in Columbus that year and then comes back home and beats Michigan in the same season. The only time in history, I think, that it's happened that Indiana's beaten those two teams in the same season. And Bill Mallory was the head coach, and it was the start of some really good oh, Indiana great. football for a number of years. So there's no question there's a possibility there. Uh, and I pray that you're right. But unfortunately, (laughs) I have a gut feeling that that's probably not going to be the case. But at the same time, I want the same thing you do. There's nobody that wants Indiana to beat Michigan or Ohio State or any of these other ball clubs more than I do because I've been watching this crap for 51 years now. (laughs) And and I want Indiana to, to surprise people and to shock them because that's exactly what it would be if Indiana beats Michigan on Saturday. It would shock the world. You know, Don, the only person I know that is more deserving to see it happen than you would be Bill Benner because he's watched all that crap too and he's not getting paid for it. So, well, I, t- I take that back. He was for a lot of them, but a lot of them it's voluntary and it's like, good Lord, man. And he... Trust me, Bill. Bills is, as you know, he's an IU football diehard, man. So I'd love to see it happen. And either way, we look forward to talking to you about it next week. But let's hope it's after a Hoosier victory, Don. And I hope the, I hope the shoulder feels better. Yeah, it's not really the shoulder; it's the arm that's hurting me right now. It's not the same sprain. <laughs> you know what, Don? Here's the thing: if Indiana beats Michigan, you and I can get a buy one get one free on physical therapy for our arms because mine's going to be sore from patting myself on the back till Thursday of next week. <laughs> You can bet your bottom dollar on that, my man. If you if you if that happens, I'll be more than happy to pay whatever you have to pay for athletical, <laughs> physical fitness, or whoever to take a look at you. Because for heaven's sakes, that would be a phenomenal win. <laughs> it would be, Don. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> See you guys. All right, Don Fisher. Uh, I, look, it comes down to that. Why do I think Indiana's going to beat Michigan? Because I think it'd be fun as heck if they do. That's it. I've, I've I've actually always kind of liked Michigan. I you know I hate Ohio State, so I guess I have to part of me like Michigan. Um, why Jonathan Taylor signing now and not four weeks ago, six months ago, whatever it might be? A different angle on that next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Mike Chappell coming up just a couple minutes. We will get the latest on Anthony Richardson and where the Colts go from here. But let me throw this out at you. This is the new touchdown song. Well, this is certainly better than bang on the drum all day, right? Yeah, I mean, at least but it's we, just the part where it goes, duh, duh, At duh, least it's duh. consistent within the last four decades. Um, Jonathan Taylor, it was widely thought if the Colts did not re-sign him, they were going to do what with him, Jimmy? Widely thought, trade him. Well, I'm saying if they were going to keep him. If they were going to keep him, tag him. Okay. I, and I was one of those people. Franchise tag, tag him, right? Yes. Yep. You can only use the franchise tag on one player, correct? Correct. Okay. What would you guess right now Michael Pittman Jr. is 
up for at the end of the year. He is another one that's going to be up for contract, right? Yeah. What would you guess if you just had to throw out? Let, let me throw out a number for you. G- give me a couple of receivers off the top of your head. Well, I'll just tell you the top receivers right now in football. The top paid receivers for next season in football: Mike Williams, Tyreek Hill. I- I'm trying to think of the names, but thirty-four million, thirty-two million, thirty-one million. Those are the top three paid receivers. And those are deals that were inked like a year ago. What would you guess that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to require to retain on salary for the Colts? Let me rephrase that. Michael Pittman Jr. and his representation are going to be anticipating or looking for what number on the open market? Uh, North of 22. A year. Well, way, way, way north of that. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Way north of that. Five five years ago, maybe. Well, I mean, I'm... The tag will be around $22 million. Christian Kirk is making $18 million a year off the deal he signed. And I know that was a year ago. I know the cap increases. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to touch, like... I wouldn't pay Michael Pittman Jr. Cooper Cup money. That'd be like 26 a year. Maybe DK Metcalf money, that's 24 a year. Like, but I, I, I've, I've said Michael Pittman Jr. deserves to be paid, but I wouldn't pay him like a top four wide receiver in the league. But that's what he's going to want to get paid, probably. Because if you look, Keenan Allen, thirty-five. I'm talking about for next year. Mike Williams, thirty-three. Tyree Kill, thirty-one. Cooper Cup, thirty. Debo Samuel, twenty-nine. Stephon Diggs, twenty-eight. Chris Goodwin, 27 and a half. Tyree, uh, Tyler Lockett, 27. Devontae Adams, 26. Those are deals that were signed a couple years ago, right? Sure. He's going to expect minimum, I'll bet you, an average of 30. <laughs> I'll bet you 20 bucks that's what he asks and what he expects, and there is a chance a team somewhere out there and would sign the him to that. And he's Now, my point being... It may be a better value for the Colts to tag him to get another year out of him, yeah, than to sign him outright and put and, and invest thirty to thirty two. Yeah, if that's if that's the number you tag him, I don't know right. if that's the number that like a team. If a team gives Michael Pittman Jr. thirty million dollars a year, then we really need to reevaluate what's happening with salaries. There's no planet where I would give Michael Pittman Jr. thirty million. But that's going to be the. I'm telling you, that's going to be the going rate for a number one or two receiver in two years. I mean, I don't think that. It would not surprise me if the Colts, whether it's Michael Pittman Jr. or someone else, it would not surprise me if the Colts went ahead and signed Taylor, also to free up the tag to keep it available for situations elsewhere where they have very good players that are coming up for contract that they want to retain. And with Anthony Richardson's development, in particular, if you know that you're going to have to throw the ball more to save his legs and health, you need a big receiver. And when you have Alec Pierce that had one, catches for ten, one catch for 10 yards, that inc- if I'm Michael Pittman Jr., I'm going to the Colts absolutely lock, stock, and barrel and saying, hey, you can keep using the guy's legs if you want and you see what happens, or you can have his biggest target locked up this is what i want to get paid and the Colts are going to anticipate it's going to be a high number so why not save the tag whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you colts yesterday winners over the tennessee titans big one in the afc south but of course 
A yin and a yang. The good news, Jonathan Taylor, we now know back in the mix. Zach Moss running like a beast. And then, of course, the the drawback, Anthony Richardson. We now know it appears a grade three AC joint sprain. That is probably good news based on the fact that at the time it looked like perhaps it was even worse than that. But we know a little bit about just shoulder injuries and the nagging nature of it because of precedent here within the city and the franchise. Uh, Joining us now, guy who has covered a lot of Colts teams and probably seen a lot of different injuries that pop up over the course of time. Mike Chappell joins us from CBS4 and, of course, WXIN Fox 59. And, Mike, I'll begin with that. The Anthony Richardson news, I don't know that we will know probably definitively a timeline in the immediate future, but would you guess that I think yesterday we were saying, you know, everybody was kind of wagering guesses. Does four to six sound extreme now in terms of number of games missed, or do you think that would be a fair estimate, or do we even have any ballpark at this point? That's probably fair. I mean, I, I would think four games, which is, they, they, you know, that that would mean IR. In the past, IR used to have such an awful connotation. Now it's four games minimum. But if you look at it, it's four games, and then that means the fifth game is at New England in, in Germany. Maybe you don't do that, and then you get the bye week. So maybe you, you give him six weeks to heal, and he comes back against Tampa Bay. Maybe we get an update from Shane Steichen today. The people I talked to, they were still waiting for, uh, you know, to get all the tests back, and I saw that who was an ESPN mentioned he was getting a second opinion. Which I tell you, if I'm, if I'm a player, and this is no disrespect to the team, but I want a second opinion, just because. I mean, if we have issues, I had problems with my hip, and I got a second opinion. So, and these guys are ten times more important than I am. So, yeah, I, I think four to six weeks, uh, and we'll see how that handles them with, with Minshew. And you know, now you're. You know, with injuries, you're you're one play away from Sam Ellinger, who has played, you know, competent football, if that's the right the right term. So it's it's funny. I I've had a running joke going with uh, James Boyd that since he took over the Colts beat with the Athletics, he's ruined his franchise. I, I blame him for last year, and I blame. So it's. I saw him walk up to you yesterday and goes, "Man, you can blame me again, right?" Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I am. I am. I, you, you always look for the what is it, Occam's razor? That's right. You, know, you, you always find the simplest answer. Well, it's James Boyd. So, you know, damn you, James. But uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. What, what's really in the short term encouraging is they beat Tennessee without Richardson. Without with a rookie left tackle, two rookie corners, with with Jonathan Taylor getting ten snaps and what was it seven touches. But over the long haul, I mean, you, you need your players. You, you just do, you know. And, and if they're going to continue to do something this year, whatever that something is, you need Bernhard Ryman back. Chris corner cornerback is what cornerback is. It's going to be really interesting to see how they use. Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, you simply cannot say, okay, Zach, uh, thanks for holding this spot. This is now JT's backfield. No, this this guy's done way too much to do that. So we'll see how this works. Uh, we talked to Jim Irsay on Saturday, and he said, well, he said, you know, 
what they're sort of hoping with with Zach Moss, you know, in, in the long term, whatever long term is, this could mean fewer carries, whatever that means, for Jonathan Taylor. Now he's still he's still the guy. When he gets back and is in form, he's the guy because I was going to say he gives you home run potential. Well, so Zach Moss yesterday, that play was so reminiscent to me of the touchdown against New England, third and one, whatever it was, and he pops it. Uh, Taylor did so. But yeah, it's it's they're still in pretty good, they're in really good shape. You tell anybody in preseason that you're three and two and all this, you say it's pretty good. Well, but but you're going to lose your quarterback. That's where they are. Unfortunately, they do have Gardner Minshew, and I'm not all aboard the Minshew train. I'm not. I, I he still got he still got limitations, but he played pretty well yesterday. Pushed the ball down the field, which they really hadn't done with him. And the issue now is you're not going to get big plays in the run game from your quarterback. But if protection holds up, maybe you get the big plays in the passing game and the big plays in the run games come, comes from the running backs. Chap, I feel like Gardner Minshew, and I want you to tell me if, if this is an accurate statement in your opinion. I feel like Gardner Minshew is a really good serviceable quarterback on a roster that has dynamic playmakers where he just has to make sure that they're taking care of the football and getting the ball to playmakers. The problem is in this scenario, the biggest playmaker is the one that he's replacing as of right now. That's the guy that – does that make sense? I mean, I think – you know, obviously Moss and Taylor are – you know, Taylor we know has capability once he gets up and going. But outside of that, I mean, the, the offense at this point has kind of been fueled by what Richardson is able to do. Well, because what the quarterback's able to do, Richardson, it opens everything else up as well. And we had only really seen a snippet of what he could do in the pass game just because he's he's not been in the field. I mean, he's not finished three of his four starts. And by the way, he didn't start a fifth game. So, boy, I hate to say problem. The issue with Minshew is I, I, I think there's a ceiling that we know what it is. So, you know, there won't be that threat of the quarterback on the edge. There just isn't. Uh, But but if you can manage and stay out of being behind 14-3 or you're really having to throw too much or whatever, stay out of third and 12, third and seven, then it works. It's just when you have a quarterback of his caliber, there is a, a... smaller margin of error than with Minshew. If, if they get back down 23-0, Richardson can bring him back. I, I don't know that I would have the same optimism with, with Minshew. I, and, and, and I don't mean – I it just sounds like we're, we're, we're piling – I'm piling on the backup, and I'm not. I mean, he, he's a, one of the big, big reasons they are 3-2 and two with how he's played. So, uh, but, but there's no question. Anyone who thinks that they're better off with Minshew is crazy. And if that's if that comes across as a slap at him, then so be it. But they drafted Richardson for a reason. Now the concern is, and is this is this is three injuries. And Mike, are those injuries? Let me ask you this: the injuries to Anthony Richardson are a. We've seen guys before 
that for whatever reason, the sports gods just frown upon them and their bodies just don't respond sometimes. Do, do you Bob think Sanders. Bob Sanders is a great example? I mean, football, basketball wise, Jonathan Bender, Steve Entman when he yep. was here. I mean, there are certain guys yep. that they just can't, they just could never get it going. Yep. With, in the case of Anthony Richardson, maybe we don't know this yet, but how much of that is schematic? How much of that is the fact that he is putting himself or the offense is putting him in vulnerable positions, and now the Colts are going to have to go back to the drawing board and realize there are some plays they've got to take out? I, I just don't know how you do that because that's what he is. Right. I mean, that that's what he is. That That's the balance in heaven. Like Shane Steichen mentioned yesterday, he gets hurt on a designed run. Well, the week before, it works for the same play. He goes for like 23 yards. It's just – and, again, I think one that was avoidable was the concussion. I, I'm still convinced if he, if he kind of runs through the, the end zone instead of sort of easing up a little bit that he doesn't get waxed at the goal line. Or if you learn to fall different, you don't smack your head on the turf. Although we saw Molly Cox may have or got a concussion was sort of the same way with the head snapping back. But really the, the, the plays that, that Richardson's got hurt on have been football plays. They just have been. It was just unfortunate that he comes down on his shoulder and a 250-pound linebacker falls on him. I, if you start scheming to where he's not in those positions, then then – He's a pocket passer, and he and he picks up runs on scrambles. That's not what you want. So I I, I hope this is just that the football gods say, well, we gave you your quarterback. Now you're going to have to pay a price for a while until he's we, we we decide he stays healthy. I don't know. It's just we've been so spoiled, you know, those of us old enough that Peyton started, you know, like what was it, up ten years, eleven years in a row. And, and Andrew Luck started the first three and a half seasons, uh, and now you've got a running a, a running quarterback. And you know Jalen Hurts doesn't get hurt, you know, like this. Uh, you, you can find ways to protect yourself, but these are these are design runs. They're they're runs that quarterbacks do all the time, all the time, a lot, and they don't get hurt. It's it's just how you get tackled. It's it's that you. Again, don't run through the end zone and the safety smacks you at the goal line. Uh, but, boy, it's just so frustrating. Again, we were t- talking to James. Boy, it's like they can't have f- good toys. They, they they just can't have good toys to play with. And if you're going to get one back with Jonathan Taylor, then we're going to take this one with Anthony Richardson. But this is your guy. They, they knew when they drafted him that this guy was more at risk for injuries than – other guys, because he, a big part of his game is getting outside the pocket with design plays and getting hit. But a lot of quarterbacks do this, and they don't fall right on their shoulder, and they don't get whacked at the goal line. So I, I just, I just think it would be so wrong to alter how you call plays because th- this, this is who he is. The Dean Mike Chapel of Fox Nine and CBS Four. Nice to take some time with us here on Query and Company. Chap, I want to change lanes to the Jonathan Taylor of it all. How in the heck did we get to the conclusion being an extension for Jonathan Taylor? And were you as surprised as I was that it took all this time just for $14 million a year? I tell you, we, we, we spend so much time in the, in the media room, Stephen Holder and Joel and Nate and James and Kevin, and, and, and we just – 
I'm telling you, since July, since June, we're throwing around, you know, three years, $42 million, and you guarantee roughly two franchise tags, which is, I don't know, $24 million. And shouldn't that do it? And, and here we are with virtually those numbers. So what, what we don't know is why. You know, why? Uh, did, did Taylor's people want the seventeen, the $16 million a year that, that McCaffrey got when he was at Carolina? Uh, well, first, the, the Colts offered nothing. The Colts had not offered anything. So people who said the Colts were lowballing, no, they weren't. They weren't lowballing. There was nothing. And somebody puts out there on social media, which is always perilous. Well, Taylor wanted to be the number one running paid running back in the league. Says who? That never came out. No one ever. No one ever said that. No one ever quoted a source saying that. So we had no idea what we were working with. But why this thing took this long to get done the only word i can use is stubbornness on both sides you know from taylor he was demanding a good paycheck whatever that is yet he was telling him he wasn't healthy well you can't have both you know and again i was told and i believe that taylor could have passed his physical in july but but why he didn't? Uh, maybe he wanted the contract before the the, the 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 he's healthy. I don't know. But I just I, it, this is something that could have been done. Stephen Holder mentioned, and I think he's got something you know correctly that maybe the team looked at what's gone on and hey we're you know we're competitive and we're maybe the quarterback's further along and get Taylor done, and boy, the second half of the season, we'll really be going strong. I, I think that's possible. I, that's exactly what I thought, Mike, was that they looked at it and said, you know, do you think this is possible? Uh, Mike Chappell, our guest, do you, don't you think it's possible that the Colts were holding off on signing Taylor to an extension because they wanted to make sure, first off, that they had drafted a guy that, in fact, they – at quarterback that is going to be here and be their guy, and they wanted to make certain that they hadn't drafted Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Lee for Johnny Manziel or right. whatever it might be. And then once they saw enough, and so because they held off on the extension, that irked Taylor. Then they saw what they needed to see and said, you know what, this is a guy that we're going to run with and we need to start putting the pieces around. So then they went back to Taylor and said, okay, now we know, and so boom marriage settled that that was my first thing the second mike that i was talking about earlier and i want you to to weigh in on this if if you if i'm way off base is it possible that the colts also figured out you know what there are other positions of need upcoming where we want to have the tag available if we need to use it i thought i thought the same thing yeah i know one player that's good impact and so i was just saying i was looking at the numbers mike the wide receiver position. Alec Pierce yesterday had one catch for 10 yards. Josh Downs looks like he's going to be a real nice safety net for them. But they still don't have a dynamic stretch receiver for Anthony Richardson. If I'm Michael Pittman's camp and my contract's coming up, I'm saying, look, guys, $30 million. I want $30 million or more. And the, the tag would cost them around twenty-seven. So is it possible that they said, you know what, if this gets to a stalemate, and Alec Pierce still hasn't evolved necessarily where we'd like. We've got to tag Pittman. That's the guy that we need to make sure that we have for Anthony Richardson. Am I out of my mind? No, I think that could be part of it because they're they're always looking down the road. 
And it, it, I think what's really interesting, and 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 we've I've written about it, and others have as well, is it's it's really in, incredible how different Jonathan Taylor and, and Michael Pittman have handled their contract years. Because you know, here we are. All we went through with, with Taylor and Pittman hasn't said a peep. He really hasn't, as far as you know, you know, showing that he that he wants the extension because he know he knows if he stays healthy, he's getting paid big money, and that's the difference in the positions. And with the Taylor contract, all of a sudden that franchise tag is there, and it's available to you now. Pittman might grumble a little bit, although it's hard to grumble when you're getting $25, $27 million guaranteed. Right. I mean, really. But but that that is an option now. So, and again, even if they get Pittman done and whatever, they still need another guy. They need they need another big receiver. And I'm not talking size. I'm talking, you know, playing capabilities. I just think they do. But with a, with a quarterback on his rookie contract, you, you can do that. You know, in a couple of years, you, you can you can re-sign Bernhard Ryman as your left tackle. He's looked pretty doggone good. Hopefully, they, they get him back here in a week or two. Maybe this week. I don't know. But yeah, I get, getting that contract done it gives you flexibility. I've not seen the details. I'm guessing it ties him here for two more years. You know, with the guaranteed money this year and two more. So he's going to get paid $31 million over, over the next two and a half years, which is pretty good money. So, uh, yeah, but it does. It, it, it gives you that. I think all that kind of goes into it. The, the most interesting comment we got that I thought when Jim Irsay surprised a couple of us and called us on Saturday is, well, you know, this contract got done a little sooner than I, than I wanted. So this, to me, was was really football driven by Chris and, and his and Mike Bloom and his people. Uh, so, but but it's done, and and we've gotten, I think, as much information as we're ever going to get on why. Of course, we got no, we got no comments on why it took him. What is it? Eight months? Nine months to recover from from ankle surgery? And all that, and we'll we'll never ever know uh, what was said on on Ursay's motorhome at training camp. Uh, but it, it's just it, it just allows us to breathe. Well, I say us, the media, because it just sort of, it just kept it just captured you. Everything that we've written it, it has been so Jonathan Taylor centric, and it just sort of takes a, the air out of the room. And you know, if he comes back and is and is what he was, he he was a top five running back. He was maybe top three, and he's twenty four, so they're in good shape there. And they've got obviously some holes to fill moving forward. They need help in the secondary. It's it's rare that you can get by starting two rookie corners uh, for very long. Uh, but but this is one thing they took care of. But I thought they could have taken care of it two or three months ago if, if stubborn heads weren't involved. Mike Chappell is our guest. Chap, is the purpose of getting a second opinion with Anthony Richardson and the shoulder injury done in your mind to figure out if he can come back sooner or figure out if it's more serious and needs to be out longer? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, again, I think a player 
is crazy to not get a second opinion. And it's not because you don't trust the team. But, I mean, why wouldn't you? Again, I mean, if you're going to have an operation, shouldn't you get a second opinion? Just just because it's your body for crying out loud. And and maybe the team said, yeah, it's this, and we think this. No surgery, but this, you know, four to five weeks. And maybe Richardson wants to say, you know, maybe – you know, maybe maybe I get a second opinion, and they say it's it's two to three weeks. It's just it's information gathering, and I think a player, any player, I don't. This is your franchise quarterback, but if it's if it's your number four linebacker, you get a second opinion just because it's in your best interest, and this is your career, and you want to take the best option, and and probably Richardson wants to get out there as soon as he can. Uh, and a second opinion will either say, yeah, you could do this, or would reaffirm that, no, it's going to be four to five weeks. So it, it just makes sense to get a second opinion. Mike Chappell is our guest. Mike, the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, the NFL Players Association has recently said that they want the teams to explore putting in natural grass at all stadiums, correct? Yes. And... I don't want to misquote anyone here, but it is my understanding that the Colts or Lucas Oil Stadium have said that at this point that that is not of interest to them in terms of the playing surface at Lucas Oil, correct? I thought I saw that. I can't re- I, I Yes, I think I've seen that. Okay. Is it possible that when their most coveted franchise player of the last quarter century, not named Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, I guess, but but in that ilk, if injuries continue, and Shane Steichen in particular looks at Philadelphia and goes, look, we had Jalen Hurts that we ran similar plays for, and he's getting hit on grass, and he was durable. Does that Will that in any way, shape, or form factor in to the Colts' thinking in terms of the playing surface if Anthony Richardson continues to get dinged up? Will they explore that? I would think you would need to, but at the same time, they had to – that had to be part of the discussions before this. I mean, it's it's a, it is about taking care of all your players. I realize Richardson is <laughs> is more more important from a football standpoint than other players. But if that's the stance you take, then you were just sort of rolling the dice with everybody with the other fifty three player fifty two players. But but at the same time, like you said, that this this is where you're monetary and your energy and your roster building focuses on the quarterback. Uh, and, and again, these, uh, of course now the concussion happened in, in Houston, uh, but he had the, he had the knee bruised knee here. And I, I wish I could see that the, the play that he got hurt with the bruised knee. I thought maybe he was rolling out on, on a pass and it wasn't a run, but this one, this one was, was getting your shoulder driven into the ground and, is I guess I assume the the ground is is more forgiving when it when it's not some form of turf, but I I just think it wouldn't hurt to revisit it and do you know it's it's crazy to hear these things in, in court that the cost analysis and the bean counters well you know if this many people, but but when, when it is your, your best player you, you you should discuss it, but I would think they had their best players in mind all along when they when they made the decision in the first place. Mike, last thing from me, and, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but I'm curious of this. 
one to ten scale, ten being the most like you know bells and whistles and fire alarms and everything else going off, and one being not at all. That's a media problem. We're not even concerned about it. What do you think internally is the? I'll say concern for lack of a better phrase, one to ten scale within the Colts brass about the slow start for Alec Pierce. Oh, five, five. I mean, it's he's just part of it is that early on, even though we're only five weeks in, early on, earlier on, they weren't really incorporating downfield throws, uh, and now he's getting what two or three targets downfield. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some concern just because you got to get him going. He's, he, he had a decent year last year, and it's you, you're asking too much to have Pitt. And, and Josh Downs is a player. He I is. He's a player. He's good. He's yeah. a player. But you need, you need Alec more involved, and that should come when they take more – when they're when they're comfortable taking more shots downfield. But, yeah, it's, it's – you know, I've, we've we've talked to Reggie Wayne, and they said, "Yeah, we need to get Mr. Pierce, you know, to be more consistent or, or be more consistent with him." Uh, yeah, it, it's a concern, and I've kind of held off too much concern. But we're five games in, and he's got not much. Now he had the, he had a pretty big uh, uh, interference penalty on him, but I, 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 you, you need to see catches. You know, I don't want part of the guy's resume as well. You know, he drew six interference penalties for, you know, 100 and whatever yards. Right now he's got eight catches for 124. Targeted 16 times, yep. Yeah, and that's that's just not enough. Uh, So, you know, we can talk about this in about three weeks and see where we are and see if they can continue to grow this offense and stretch in a field with, with Minshew. You know, if the offensive line holds up and it's playing, it's playing pretty well. It's really playing well with the same people. So, kudos to Tony Sperano and, and what he's done. But yeah, they they need to get him more involved. They just do. The Dean Mike Chapel, Fox News Nine and CBS Four. Chap, always good to catch up with you. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you guys later. Mike Chapel, always appreciated. Uh, one of the things Chap and I talked briefly in the press box yesterday uh, at halftime, and. Uh, most of our conversation was about on patrol live on reels. Do you ever watch that? <laughs> I've seen the reels before. So, yes, yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be in Beach Grove, so Chap was all dialed in on the Beach Grove aspect. Eddie, you're smirking. <laughs> I used to watch uh, Live PD all the time. Same thing. I know. And then uh, we'd always get a kick about whenever Beach Grove would appear on there. I would always try to figure out where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, like they'd be driving, and I'm like, no, no, where exactly are they? Like, you know what, what? And I've always wondered, too, like how live it is. I mean, there has to be a delay, obviously, in case something terrible ha- were to happen. So it's got to be, what What do you think, 30-second delay or so? Something like that? 30 would seem a bit long. 10? I'll go in the middle. We'll say 20. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly not live live, right? Right. right. But anyway, Chap, Chap had tweeted out on Saturday night, uh, I think it was during the yeah, game it was. that yeah, we haven't it was. even talked yeah, yeah, about yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the yep. chap was getting ready to switch. Are you in the bye week? Okay. Uh, Notre Dame had a bye week too. <laughs> they also were idle. They Purdue. seem to think they did. Apparently, uh, we can get into that and get back into the conversation about Michael Pittman and the tag 
Interesting kind of shift of narrative, if you will. Taking a look back at yesterday's win. Colts winning over Tennessee, beating the Titans, actually, at, the Titans zone, at their Titans' own game. We'll open up the phone lines. Your thoughts as well, 239-1070. It is Quarry and Company here on a Colts victory Monday on The Fan. Either one. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Do you guys watch Cobra Kai? Nope. No. This is the opening scene of Cobra Kai. Johnny throws this in his Camaro and is rolling around. Think of it every time. It's a great song, though. Uh, it's a Monday. Colts win yesterday over the Tennessee Titans. Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. This is Quarry and Company on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. To rehash for those of you that are unfamiliar or new to the program, welcome. Um, the company would be all of you. And each person that, of course, calls in has the right to be able to say that they are the director of whichever aspect of the company they'd like to be in charge. Had several people at German Fest that came up to me and they're like, yeah, man, I'm in the company. I'm your director of mail. I'm your director of security. I love it. Eddie Garrison is the CEO. Mostly that's noted because things like at the beginning of the show, if something's on tape, he just gets up and walks out and goes and gets popcorn. CEO can do that, right? Yes, totally. Totally popcorn. I have popcorn one time during the show because I had a bit of a hunger problem. I don't know if you know. Next thing you know, it's perks of the job. I had a bit of a hunger problem. Eddie, here's the thing about microwave popcorn, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But microwave popcorn is a lot like salmon. Those are two things in the office place that you never use in the microwave. Never put them in the microwave. I mean, I realize microwave popcorn, you have to put in the microwave. But when you do it at work, if you burn it, you're done forever. Well, that, that, that's the risk, right? I was going to say, a but, well-cooked popcorn but, and hey, salmon, problem, not similar but sex. Jimmy knows I have timed out per- He has a formula. As, as, as good CEOs, go in there. As good CEOs do, he has a formula. Okay. Jimmy Cook is the president of the company. Uh, Scott going to join us to lead things off as I've figured we'd open it up to the company employees for a moment here to talk about yesterday's win over the Tennessee Titans. Scott, what's up? Hey, how you doing today? Scott, have you called the program before? I'm good, thank you. Have you called the program oh, before? Yeah. Okay. I called back when Dan was a, around a year ago to talk, but anyway. You, you would like talk- to be, Scott, what line of work are you in? I'm in the prototype shop and design shop for automobiles. Okay, so how about this? Uh, you are the director of automobile optics for the company. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. All right, what's up? Uh, well, we're you talking about Richardson. We're, we're, we're everybody's on. I've, done, I've watched all the games, and I'm sitting there, and everybody's saying how well he's doing this and that and his progression. I don't see it. I see that the guy needs to learn how to pass. He needs to learn how to slide. He's been hurt three games now, and we have a backup guy that comes in and is playing very well. He's your starting quarterback because Richardson's not your franchise quarterback or anything now. Now, you think he's not the franchise because you don't like his ability to stay healthy or just overall you think that his arm, I mean? No, his arm, I mean, we watched him in college. He played 13 games. He was all over the map, behind him, over, over him, in front of him. He has no touch. He's a running, very athletic quarterback. Minshew right now is the starting quarterback in my mind. I don't. I, I hear all this about progression. Here he is out again. I mean, I just I don't understand where people are seeing this with this guy. Very athletic, big. He's not proven nothing to me. All right. 
I appreciate it. I, I will respectfully. I, I get it. I mean, I totally understand what you're saying, Scott. I, I don't totally agree because here's the thing. I think when you have a guy that's, what, 21, 22 years old, um, the reason he is the franchise quarterback is because you look at it long term and you and that's a hard thing to do I realize I mean you you know I remember I'll be honest I remember Peyton Manning's rookie year people saying like they just should trade him right now and and get a bunch of draft picks and then draft Brian Greasy I, I you know because he hadn't, he hadn't shown me anything it does take a while and I think that you could start to see that the game seems like it's slowing down a little bit for him, especially in terms of the passing game. I think he's been more accurate. He was 9 of 12 yesterday. Um, he does still have, Scott, there's no doubt about it, he still has an issue in terms of over, you know, overthrowing receivers. I, there's no doubt about that. But it seems to be, I think those things take, look, for example, at Mac Jones. We were just talking about it, Jimmy, during the break. Mac Jones got out, and you're like, oh, gosh, here goes Belichick again. He found his guy. Here's a guy that's going to be the long-term answer. And you see now that all of a sudden that water is finding its level. So it does take a while for the full evaluation. Scott may be proven to be correct here, but I do think that you have seen the glimpses of why the ceiling is thought to be so high. With a couple it. things. One, uh, that Scott in particular is in the camp that I talked about of the Gardner Minshew truthers that feel like the franchise would be better off with a quarterback that, again, is at best a spot starter that can win you a couple games, but is by no means the type of quarterback that I'd want to build a franchise around. Secondly, yeah, he's right. Anthony Richardson on designed run there, rolling out to his right, he definitely should have slid. Yeah, that that's why the shoulder happened. He, man, if he slides there, I'm sure he's okay. When contact's already there, boy, he should have found a way to slide. Look, it's very early in this process, but look at what we said to start the show. If you think Gardner Minshew is the answer, then he would have been the guy they went with from the start. It would have been another Band-Aid quarterback. There'd be no reason to try to build and develop around a young rookie quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. I think, Scott, the best way to say it would be this for Scott. If somebody brings in an automobile to work on and you have your choice, it's a Ferrari or... An Acura Legend. An Acura Legend's a really nice car, right? But if you're going to go on a street race, the Ferrari's what you want. But if it's raining and snowing outside, then you, then you probably go with the Acura Legend. But in this situation, the Colts are their job is to win races, so they got to go with the Ferrari. But there are conditions in which the Acura Legend is the better car, no doubt about it. But the ultimate condition with which you're preparing for the Ferrari is the one that you want. I mean, that, that's. That's I get what he's saying. I do, but I think long term vision you got to look at, and if you do that, then that's what makes Richardson the franchise quarterback because you're building the franchise around him. John's up next. What's up, John? Yeah, I, he needs to stick with uh, working on cars because one pass, the one pass to Pierce the other game ago showed you Anthony's got lots of talent and he'll be a franchise quarterback. And for years to come, yeah, he should have slid. He'll learn. That's all about the learning process. Um, it'll take time. To say Gardner is the truth, he's not been the truth on any team that he's played with. He would have been in Jacksonville if he would have been the truth. Yeah, he's quite good. He probably is the best backup in the league. But to put him in front of Richardson is just crazy. You know, John, here, here's the thing. Gardner Minshew is – a solid veteran quarterback and a smart player. Agreed, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Gardner Minshew was 100% on board with and understanding after watching Anthony Richardson in camp as to why they handed the keys over to Richardson and not Gardner Minshew, which yes. which tells you everything right there. You know what I mean? John, what line of work yes. you in? Oh, I'm a traveling uh, service technician. All right, so you're the official traveling service tech of the company. Is that cool with you? Yeah, whatever you want me to be. Uh, I, 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 I will say this about uh, uh, AR. Uh, dang, you made me forget what I was going to say. Well, you sound uh, so enthused about being a traveling service tech. <laughs> Is it, if you could pick any different area of the company that you'd like to work, John, what would it be? No, I'll be a service tech. I'm fine with that. All right, that's cool. I was going to say, we're a fictional company. You can be whatever the hell you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's that's you guys. I like it, but that's you guys. All right. I appreciate it. John, Thanks. appreciate it, man. Have a good one. You're all for two on giving out jobs so far today. I know, man. Scott was less than enthused about it, and John's just like, yeah, whatever. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. A lot of people. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining in the company today, much appreciated, including on the YouTube chat. I probably, I'll be honest, it's one area where, and I apologize to all those that are in the YouTube chat, which we refer to as the break room. Sometimes I get like so kind of consumed with everything going on in here, I, I forget to even glance over and give proper credit to those who are tuned in. 107.5 The Fan is the YouTube webpage where you can watch the show and you can see the uh, always scintillating movement of me when I periodically stand up and then sit back down and Eddie having to change the button on a regular basis. I feel like some of the break room probably has a mentality of like a normal break room where they don't want to see the chairman of the board in there all the time. They'll get worried. Like the boss <laughs> is right. walking around expecting us to like do something. Well, like we don't work. have an HR department, so have that, right? <laughs> sit around drinking a beer if you want. Back to the phone lines. 239-1070 is the telephone number. Chris wants to chime in on Anthony Richardson. Hey, Chris, what's up? If you want. Back to the phone line. You can turn down the fu- turn down the radio there, Chris. Okay, here we go. Chris, you there? How y'all doing? Turn down the radio there, Chris. Chris, turn off your radio, please. We're good, man. How about you? What's on your mind? Um, can I ask what is what is uh what do you think the coast record would be with Anthony Richardson uh, as our quarterback um, at the end of the year? You talking about if he was playing every game? Yes. I mean, that, that's the here's the thing, Chris. Two-part question, or two-part answer, I guess. The first would be, we don't know. It's so hard to say, right, because of the, the availability or the health issues thus far. And it is interesting that right now at 3-2, and two, the three games that they've won are games where Gardner Minshew took the majority of snaps because of Taylor, or excuse me, Richardson's, you know, non-availability. And then you have... Obviously, the two losses are the games where Richardson was out there the predominant part of time. The best answer I can give you, Chris, is I don't know that it matters because this year is all about getting him as many reps as possible for the future. But to play the game, if they are 3-2 and two right now and Richardson was playing the majority of snaps the rest of the way and was healthy, in the remaining 12 games, I would say without looking at the schedule in its entirety – I'd say they'd go seven and five in those twelve, and they would end up ten and seven. Jimmy, what say you? 
with Anthony Richardson as primary starter, I would clock it anywhere between. Again, he's fully healthy. We're taking away the injury. I would say probably seven to ten range is where I would have yeah. put it. Yeah, I mean, I think competitive for sure. Yes, he he. Chris, the reality is I think that the Colts' primary concern at this point is his development and getting him conditioned to continue to build the pieces around him. And what we've seen, a really big thing happened this weekend. A really big thing happened this weekend having nothing to do with AC joint sprains, having nothing to do with 9 of 12. A really big thing happened this weekend that shows the Colts are all in. To quote Jim Irsay, I'll tell you what that is next. Come on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Come on, Eddie. I feel like I'm back at the RCA Dome. Come on now. Okay, so hot take. And I understand it's association with the Packers and all that. This makes me more gleeful. It makes me smile more than the other one did. I mean, it is kind of like... I'm not saying it's better as a touchdown song. I'm just saying this one makes me what smile song, more. What song, when you hear it, instantly makes you just blare it? Or makes you happy? Hey, yeah. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Hey, yeah, by Outkast. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, though, sounds just like the beginning of it. Sounds... A lot like a song from, uh, is it Is This Love by Whitesnake? It has like the same introduction, mm. like six second like interlude. So I, I'm yeah. always like, wait, which one is it? For me, it's Melt With You by Modern English. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh man, turn it up. It's, it's like the, the opening jingle to it's awesome. Uh, winning jingle yesterday for the Colts. They beat the Tennessee Titans, obviously at Lucas Oil Stadium. And somebody else pointed out to me, Jake, why yesterday was the roof open when it was like gross outside, <laughs> when it was the most gorgeous weather ever the week before, are we? Either he's trolling or he just flips a coin. I, I decided. Was... I decided it's a coin flip. Is every Abby Friday. still there? The Abby's hat picks are gone now, right? Did something happen to Abby? Do we know? I do not know. I didn't think it. I thought it felt fine in Lucas Oil. Well, but it was drizzly. What I'm saying is, it, it was fine. You're right. But, Eddie, what I'm saying is, why yesterday would you have it open if it was closed the week before when it was, like, the most gorgeous day ever? You know, I'd have to do some research on this, but I know with Hard Rock Stadium down there in Miami, when they open up the, the roof, the sunlight beams down onto okay. the away opponents. So, uh, I don't know if the sun would beam directly down onto the Colts' sideline, I, so I would have to look into, you know, the sun. That went in a fine place. I thought we were going to talk about the climates of Miami and... Indianapolis for a second and what days you can't open well, the roof what days you can't but that's reasonable the problem is this and, and I'm I'm going to be done in 15 seconds I'm not going to get into the tax implications and everything else I'll leave that for Rob Kendall now who has been my my brother in arms in terms of our <laughs> disgust with the tax dollars spent on publicly subsidizing stadiums to the level that Indianapolis has done but they spent way too much for a retractable roof, and they spent way too much to not have any sort of a drainage irrigation system within that then limits what they're able to do. That's it. That's it. I will add one more nugget. Okay. I think the NFL comes for them in regards to the field at some point. Like we, we we are trending in a spot where like, and I'm I'm biased with this obviously because I thought yesterday that Travis Kelsey was done for the year, and then it turned out he was fine. But we are entering a territory where 
if it continues to pile up, eventually the NFL and the NFLPA are going to have to sit down and have a discussion. You're about talking about injuries. Grass, the Players Association wants grass in all stadiums. Yes. Yep. Lucas Oil Stadium has said they can't do that. You can bet your bottom dollar, pardon the pun, that if that becomes the case and the Colts are mandated to put in a grass surface that can come in and out like they have in Arizona, uh, you can you can bet that the Colts are not going to be the one footing that bill. I would I would wager that. Uh, Lance at 239-1070 talking about yesterday's win and Anthony Richardson's the big story. If you're just joining us, Anthony Richardson will be getting MRIs and second opinions on what appears to be a grade three AC joint sprain on his throwing shoulder. Lance, what's up? Hey, boss. As the official official bouncer for the company. Yes. You are security indeed, Lance. (laughs) Actually, Lance, Lance, listen, you could also be – you're a guy that wears many hats, man. Cowboy hats, Colts hats, it doesn't matter. Lucas Oil hats, you got it all, man. That's what I love about you is you're like the – you are literally the Swiss Army knife for the company. Hey, you know, as long as I've been a Colts fan, you know that. You know, as many friends as I had that's played for the Colts. Um, the NFL is a week-to-week deal. Uh, you drafted a quarterback that in development is gone now for four to six weeks. So uh, you go with the win. You uh, play each week for a win. You strategize for each team. And uh, that's what this city wants. They want W's. So do you – let me ask you this, Lance. Do you have concern – because Minshew is probably the best backup in the league, right? I mean, he gives you exactly that that you're talking about. The three games they've won, Minshew's been their primary quarterback. Um, Do you like what you see from Anthony Richardson, though? You didn't think you you were drafting another Steve Edman, did you? That's what I mean. So do you have concerns about Richardson? I do. I do. Um, his development and the lack of games that he played in college. Uh, they don't come, but uh, we're playing this season. We're playing to win every week, and you strategize for every game, and you roll with the dice, and you, and, and you just go for it. So, And the city wants wins. They want, they want a winner. So the defense is playing well. Offensive lines come together. Good running game. Um that's what you play for. Hey, Lance, I agree. Always good to hear from you, man. Lance was working in Broadwell. Back in my days at um, Hardwick's Pipe and Tobacco, the cigar store, Lance was the best bouncer and f- just like friendliest, always good mood dude, uh, unless you were trying to get in a bar when he was bouncing and you shouldn't, you weren't supposed to be there. See, I thought that was the guy, the, that was the security that you hired at uh, German Fest over the weekend. <laughs> I didn't have, listen, security at German Fest would have only been necessary for Lindsay Monroe of 13, who was my co MC, because people want to talk to her. They, they were totally unaware of me, right? But I did have several people. Did that humble you at all? What's that? Did that humble you at Eddie, all? Eddie, I'm used to it. Believe me, when you go to dinners and you hang out and you're out in public like I was yesterday at a play, for example, with Shannon, uh, I'm used to people coming up and, and being overshadowed by the radiance that's, that accompanies me, right? Uh, 239-1070 is a telephone number. The other big story is Jonathan Taylor and the fact that he signed. That happened when I was at German Fest. All of a sudden, that news comes out. And here's what I think it comes down to, plain and simple. If you go back with the timeline, it is my opinion and belief, educated opinion and belief, I guess you'd say, Jonathan Taylor wanted a contract extension. 
The Colts were not as eager to get that done right away, primarily because I think the Colts really wanted to see what they had at quarterback because the last thing they wanted was to over-invest in a complimentary offensive position if they had a player at quarterback that they didn't that they found out was not going to be the guy. And I think they wanted to make sure they had their quarterback piece to the puzzle in place before they committed big money to the running back position. So Taylor was unhappy of the fact that his extension was delayed, understandably so. And the Colts basically said, look, this is just the reality to it. They got into kind of a war of words or an arm wrestling match. The Colts had seen enough out of Anthony Richardson to say, you know what, this is the guy, and now we can start. We have the cake. Now we've got to start putting the icing on it. Thus, they kissed and made up with Jonathan Taylor and said, okay, you wanted to be a high-paid running back. We're going to make you exactly that, and we're going to do it front-loaded so that in like four years, if there's a drop-off, an injury, whatever it might be, that we can get out of that without it being completely devastating to our salary cap. In addition to that, I think a smaller aspect of that storyline could also be the fact that the Colts allowed themselves now to avoid putting the franchise tag on Jonathan Taylor and thus with other players that are starting to play well that are coming towards the end of their first contract, Michael Pittman notably, the the franchise tag is going to be available to them if they need to use it in another area. So as a result, they get Jonathan Taylor – They bring him in, all is forgotten, and then, as is expected by everybody, Zach Moss has a career game. And when Zach Moss broke that run and went long, I'm telling you right now, there were some empty seats in there yesterday, don't get me wrong, but I know a lot of people are on fall break and there are other factors that go into that. The second that Zach Moss broke that run and got into the open and started taking off, my... My estimation, and there's, and this is just off the top of my head. There was nothing that scientifically that went into this. My estimation is that 87.4 percent of people inside Lucas Oil Stadium, the second that Zach Moss broke into the open, said to themselves, "Look at Jonathan Taylor go! What a storyline!" <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, what? Wait, wait, hold on. What's that? What'd you say? That's no. Is that a one and not an eight? Holy cow! That's Zach Moss. Hell yeah, that's my guy. Has been forever. <laughs> Matt, what's up? Hey, this is Matt. I'm your uh, food and beverage director. Yes, I sir. We talked. Uh, Matt, I did talking. I see you? Did I see you recently out and about? No, you you have seen me at some Indy car races, but okay. uh, not recently. Okay, I'm, well, I'm your spark plug that's supposed to be getting you a uh, throwback jersey. Oh yeah, you'll be you'll be you'll have a double duty then of food and beverage uh, director <laughs> as well as uh, merchandising. So yeah, hell yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm stocking a concession stand today for our four, number four ranked two A soccer team that hosts a regional Wednesday night. They still sell Astro Pops. Did I ask you that? You did. No, we we actually have Blow Pops now. Okay. Laffy Taffy. They got Laffy Taffy. Uh, Starburst. Okay. Uh, nerds. They got Nerds. Uh, Airhead Extremes. What kind of what kind of concession stand are you running over there, Matt? We might have to. <laughs> Airheads Extremes are high quality. I'm, I'm we, not going to fault Matt, that one, Matt. We no no offense. Give me that jersey, and you can put whatever the hell you want in there. How's that? Sounds good. I'll talk to the AD here in the next couple hours. All right, sounds good. Your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor? I think you you've hit two really good points, uh, and I 
to placate your ego a little bit. Probably didn't think about him myself, but uh, freeing up the the, uh, the tag to use for Pittman if necessary uh, makes sense, and making sure Richardson looked like the future makes sense. I think another thing that has played a part of it is it is totally obvious to me that a certain linebacker's $20 million contract is coming off the books next year. Boy, uh, Matt, good point. We haven't even gone there yet, but, man, I mean, it's – you know, that's one of those where people are kind of looking around, right? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, Matt doesn't have nerds in the concession stand. Like, do we need to start reevaluating this? It's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, whispers become talk becomes then la- – and it's getting louder by the week, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I mean, didn't even play yesterday. I, I, admittedly, I was I was actually working at the SRO event out at the track, so I was watching the game a little bit on my iPad and we're, uh, selling T-shirts at the track, doing different things, but – Man, I didn't see him even mentioned. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. He was out. But it's the fact that, you know, Zaire Franklin's a stud, man. Zaire Franklin's a stud. And the the more that Zaire Franklin's able to show what he can do, I mean, I hate to say that, that he can make up for because Shaq Leonard, in terms of his ability to get takeaways, is is, I mean, that's an element that is hard to replicate. But Zaire Franklin, who, by the way, Tomorrow we'll be at Hoagie and Hops for a fundraiser from 5 until 6 o'clock tomorrow. Um, a little bit beyond that he'll be there, but a fundraiser for Zaire Franklin's uh, charity at 42nd and Boulevard. He's going to be there um, making his signature sandwich at Hoagie and Hops. And, I mean, Jimmy, the reality is that with Shaq Leonard – we kind of forget week to week, right? All of a sudden, it's yeah. like, oh, gosh, that's right. We talked about this last week, and we're, we're trending there, unfortunately. And again, I'm not mad at Shaq Leonard. I'll never be mad at a player for getting a contract done. Jake feels the same way as is Eddie. It's an $8 million dead cap hit if you cut him next year versus paying him $20 million in terms of what it would cost against the cap. So either you're going to have a severe talk of restructuring or maybe they move on from him in some capacity. But Speaking of dead caps, this cap is not dead, but it's like 30 years old. Is it? Is it starting to show its wear a little bit? Matter of fact, this cap, I can tell you, is 31 years old. Can you tell? I wouldn't have guessed 31 years, no. I'm wearing a script Wyoming Cowboys hat from, I got this in 1992. Script hats have made a, a resurgence. I know. The last well, five years. You get to be my so. age and stuff from college comes back as retro. There right? you go. Which I love. Living proof. I thought yesterday the thing that was interesting about the Colts was they beat Tennessee at Tennessee's game. They controlled the line of scrimmages. They made big plays defensively when they needed to. They got solid play out of their linebacker, Zaire Franklin notably. They were able to control the ground game. You know, Derrick Henry is a guy that's owned the Colts. They corralled him yesterday. Zach Moss was huge. I mean, all the talk about Jonathan Taylor, I actually feel bad for Zach Moss because Zach Moss, was he was the star of the game. All the talk about Richardson, the grade three sprain on the shoulder, the inability to stay healthy thus far. It's a concern. And I feel bad for Moss because, you know, Kyle Kinnett, who runs Bullseye Vent Group, puts on the best pregame tailgate that you're going to find, texted John and I yesterday during the game and was like, look, at the time I was upset when they traded Naeem Hines, but Zach Moss is a stud. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, right? It's one of those days where if those storylines aren't there, the injury and the new contract for JT, we're talking about how not single-handedly, but Zach Moss really dictated the proceedings that led to a Colts win from start to finish. I mean, he he looked every bit of, and it's it's one game, but he looked every bit in that outing like a number one running back on a depth chart. 
And the fact that you're going to have him in a company with Jonathan Taylor, even if it is Minshew that's your quarterback, is going to make this offense even more potent in the run game than they already are. Because you're going to be able to ease Jonathan Taylor back in as cautiously as you want, at least for this season, and rely on somebody like Zach Moss. But on top of that, though, Jake, and they're absolutely not going to get any love today outside of a little bit here and there. I thought the line, particularly when it came to what they wanted to do in the run game, was superb yesterday. I totally agree. You're right. And again, it was another of those wins, to be honest with you, that you got to give Chris Ballard some credit because, and, and I've been absolutely harsh on the guy. And at times, justifiably so, if that's a word. But, you know, yesterday they showed some resiliency and some depth, right? And the areas where we have been the hardest on him, receiver still is an issue, I I think. I mean, Josh Downs is a player. Alec Pierce, they're going to have to get something out of. And then Michael Pittman, again, I think maybe that's where the tag, where the tag comes into play. But they haven't necessarily gotten – they definitely need a another, I think, you know, stretch receiver. And they don't really have, like, the the typical open space receiver. I yeah. mean, maybe Downs, it becomes that guy, although he doesn't seem to have the, the, the behind-the-defense level breakaway. But, you know, but, but again, the areas where Chris Ballard has, has basically emphasized for people to be patient – I think we're starting to see some result there just in terms of their their line depth, their defensive line in particular. And again, young corners yesterday too that played well. Warwick, what's going on? Hey guys, good show, enjoying it. Warwick, you have a fabulous voice. Have you called the program before? Um, I've called uh the fan before several times so and i appreciate now you do realize because you said that it's a good show and i appreciate that but you know that you're calling querying company right because i always get confused okay i always get confused people think they're calling another show you know no no i know who i'm calling well it's much appreciated warwick what's what's on your mind today i got a few comments about uh the colts and i just want i'm going to list them real quick and then you comment on whatever you wish to comment okay Okay, Steichen's doing a great job at coach winning with two rookie corners in the left tackle out. Ogletree looks good at tight end. Minshew, the best backup in the NFL. Fries looks like a steal from the seventh round. Is Moss the number one running back in the NFL this year? Grass and Lucas Oil. Was the interference call versus Pierce a design play to get that penalty. And finally, Freeland's job at left tackle. Uh, great points, Warwick. Much appreciated. I'll uh, I'll take a couple of them, Jimmy. You take a couple. First off, uh, in terms of the left tackle, I, Freeland, I think he struggled a little bit last week. I thought he pulled up the bootstraps a little bit yesterday. And, and I think he has done what you would – Left tackle is a hard enough position to fill as a starter, let alone to find a, a serviceable backup where you can get you know some stability there. And whoever would have guessed, I think the biggest compliment or the, the, the thing you're most happy about is that 
you are analyzing or evaluating a guy as the backup left tackle because it seems as though it would be difficult to replicate or replace Bernard Ryman, who was a rookie a year ago and who was learning on the job, and that shows you how far he has progressed, that you do have your answer long-term. And I think that they got solid play yesterday at the backup position. Um, The other one that I'll take in that is Ogletree. I agree that Ogletree has played well. They have a – their tight end room is interesting to me because they have a lot of guys that seemingly are kind of the same style of player – and I think there was a time where I thought maybe Granson would be the one to separate himself. But I do agree that Ogletree looks like the guy that is the most consistent or reliable short yardage receiver amongst the group. Now, he did have, he's had some, a couple of them hit him right in the numbers, don't get me wrong. Um, but I do like him. And I think from Richardson's standpoint, when he's out there, that Ogletree's the tight end that he seems to have just kind of the most kinetic feel with from a quarterbacking position. Um, Jimmy, there were like nine topics thrown out there. Any of them you want to Yeah, hit? Uh, in terms of the running back thing, again, I tipped the cap to Zach Moss, especially yesterday, his best game in the NFL. He has seven, nearly seven and a half yards per carry, two touchdowns, 165 yards, obviously the 56-yard touchdown scamper as well. He's been great. Uh, Eddie's going to have to help me with this one. I would probably say the running back in Miami, whose name I cannot remember. Devon A. Chain. I would say Devon A. Chain probably would be my best back in the NFL through... Uh, four weeks, five weeks. I think you're forgetting about a guy who plays in the West Coast. Well, I mean, the easy answer is Christian McCaffrey, right? Yep. Like, yeah, there's no doubt. That's And he probably still is, but I would say A-Chain deserves some love as well down there in Miami. He's been absolutely explosive anytime he touches the ball. Derek is the Director of Veteran Affairs for Aquarian Company, and he is also bummed yep. out about his Atlanta Braves, but he's excited about Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. What's up, Derek? Hey, um... What's up with you guys? How's it going? It is going. Uh, are the Braves going to get off the schneid here? What's going on there? Um, as soon as the Phillies won and I knew the Braves were going up against them, it's over already. I knew they, they're not going to win. I, I'm not positive at all. Okay. Fair enough. Um, thoughts on Jonathan Taylor? Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but um, you know I rag on battle a lot, but I get battled a lot of credit because I think he kind of – he did kind of smooth everything out. I think he kind of convinced Ursay to go ahead and, and do the contract extension now. But I just I, I knew something was in the works when everybody got radio silent. You didn't see any tweets or any, anything about the uh, process going on. What do you think? I, look, they were – you knew – Derek, I appreciate it. When, when Taylor came back in, I think a lot of people were surprised. I want to say this in defense of the, the daily – quote-unquote daily beat writers for the Colts. You know, I saw Derek, somebody send a tweet as soon as Taylor was signed that was like, well, another one where the experts got it wrong. Look, I always say, don't shoot the messenger, right? People can only tell you what they're being told. And throughout that saga, Jonathan Taylor made no bones about the fact that he would t- he was telling anybody that would listen i'm talking about like within the organization that he didn't want to be here and the reason we know that is because the organization relayed that message at the very top at the very top let people know yes the experts were told look Jonathan Taylor has let us know he does not want to be here that was made very clear to the Colts 
So the people whose job is to try to let fans know what's going on were doing their best to let you know what's going on. And that's what – now, in terms of it went radio silent, I think as soon as he was taken off of the pup list and brought into the facility, you knew then the odds were that he was going to – they were probably going to at least this year have him – Jimmy was correct in saying he was going to play Sunday. You were the one that stood by that, and the rest of us were like, it might be two weeks. And I thought that just from a getting up to speed standpoint, not in a, right. at that point, holdout standpoint. But again, I'm going to go back to, I think it's as simple as this. Player wants extension. Team wants to hold off extension to make sure that everything around them is copacetic. Team does evaluation and figures out that, yes, in fact, things seem to be copacetic. Team figures out that maybe there are other areas where they could free up some space or some uh, have the franchise tag moving forward. Team reaches out to player. Player realizes that the offer being made to him for that extension is probably the best that he's going to get no matter where because he had the opportunity to find out his market value from other teams. Both kiss and hug, move on, right? The contract itself is basically... I mean, I'm not going to fully dive into the math on this, but it's not that much worse off than if they would have tagged him twice. Effectively what it works out, but Jonathan Taylor gets to walk out of there as a winner because he gets himself on paper a three-year deal. It has an out in 2026, which would be a dead cap of about $2.5 million, which is, again, about the time where, kind of like with... I'd have to go back and look at the numbers with Dalvin Cook, but it sets up... JT for the same situation Dalvin Cook was in, which he's going to be 27 years old at that point in time. If the Colts want to keep him great, they're paying him $15 million. If not, he'll let the open market and get an opportunity to sign somewhere. So it clears two birds with one stone in regards to everybody wins to some extent. Both parties can be happy with what got done. My bigger issue with it all is, and maybe this is to Mike Chappell's point from earlier, again, that podcast will be up. Just search Querying Company wherever you get your podcast a little later today, is we'll never know why it took so long. And I guess Michael Pittman Jr. should call Marvin Harrison because we haven't mentioned this once today, but it was reported by Nate Atkins and it was picked up on the national broadcast as well. Edron James stepped in here to right. mediate things between Ursay and Taylor. So obviously I'm being a little tongue in cheek there about Marvin Harrison, but like it took a lot to get what isn't an insane deal. And if he winds up living up to the last year of that contract, even as minimal as contracts are for running backs, it probably won't look bad in 2026 if he's still making $15 million. You know, Edron James probably stepped in with this and probably said, look, Ursay's the guy you want to play for because he's loyal, and that's my dude. And 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 there are there is – I will go so far as to say this. There are probably others that are at the same level. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know that you would find more so – a combo of former player and owner that have a tighter relationship of mutual respect than Edron James and Jim Irsay. 27 minutes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Before the top of the hour, JMV will be joining you at 3 o'clock, as he does each and every day. My name is Jake Query. Eddie Garrison, Jimmy Cook here as well. It is Query and Company on 93.5107.5. The fan, the predominant conversation today, understandably so, the dominant topic 
is the Colts and Anthony Richardson and his injury. Again, the latest news on that is that he has a what is perceived or expected to be a, confirmed with a second opinion and MRI is a grade three sprain on the essentially the the joint of his throwing shoulder. Now, I looked it up earlier. I am not a doctor, but an AC joint sprain, for those that are unfamiliar, and I'm going to read you exactly as it is described from a, you know, WebMD is a dangerous place because you go on there and you're like, I have a hangnail. And then you look it up and you're like, I'm hemorrhaging and I've got two weeks to live. Uh, AC joint sprains are... Again, this is from WebMD, though. A fairly common type of shoulder injury that affects the joint connecting the shoulder blade and collarbone. The sprain is particularly common in athletes and can result from a direct hit to the shoulder or a fall. AC joint sprains can vary in severity, but many can be treated without surgery. It would be anticipated, based on this injury, that Anthony Richardson would probably miss, what, three to four games. There's a bye in there as well, so that helps. But I think you are probably looking at seeing more of Gardner Minshew. Um, That is story number one. Jonathan Taylor that we just went over, story number two. And story number three is in college football. You know, an interesting kind of monkey wrench thrown in into the college football playoff. I watched late on Saturday night. I'll tell you, the team that is really susceptible, I, I think, and, and prone to get knocked out quickly. And I feel like, you know, with, with some teams, if you lose one game, you can still sneak your way into the college football playoff. You lose two of them, and you're gone. The one that I think, if they get one loss, is going to be bounced. I think there are a lot of people that are not sold even though Caleb Williams is a wonderful player USC defensively is so vulnerable and Lincoln Riley has kind of this arrogance about him that I feel like USC would get zero benefit of the doubt and the first loss they get they're out you know like an Oregon or a Washington it feels like could lose in some of the cannibalization of the Pac-12 but still possibly get in part of that because if you look at the teams right now that are all kind of in contention there's a lot of playing one another that still has yet to take place i mean you got 3 of the top 5 ranked teams are in the Big 10 Michigan Ohio State and Penn State then you've got Washington and Oregon that are 6th and 8th respectively and SC at nine, so they're in the same conference. You know, Georgia's really sitting pretty, but the one that I said, what did I say on Saturday? That if Texas were to beat Oklahoma, they were home free. And yet Texas doesn't do it. Oklahoma moves up. They're fifth in the AP poll now. Oklahoma's remaining schedule. If you look at Oklahoma's remaining schedule, Central Florida, Kansas at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU. Oklahoma might be in pretty good position. And then there's Notre Dame, who, Jimmy, I was not trying to punk you to use the kids' terms at all. I, I just, I'm not sold on Louisville. I'm not sure that I'm still sold on Louisville, truth be told. I felt like that game, 
Saturday night. I mean, Louisville was obviously – and look, let me tell you one thing that I never want to hear from Notre Dame fans. It drives me nuts. Well, it's different for Notre Dame because people get more up for them than anybody else. You think Georgia's not playing everybody's Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I too am tired of the – it's our Super Bowl every week, Jake. No, I'm not going to – that's not that's not my takeaway. I mean, you, you think people don't get yeah. fired up for Alabama? Correct. Right. I mean, come no, on. No, not you, at all. You think Texas A&M wasn't locked in with Bama? You don't think that – oh, they somehow found a way to win? That's not weird. to mention, you know who predominantly says that? When you hear the narrative Losers. of like – Well, no, but when, when you hear the narrative of people like, well, the thing about Notre Dame – is every game they play, it's the it's the other team's Super Bowl. You know who mostly says that? People over forty five. Yeah, yeah. A twenty year old kid. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Notre Dame carries a cachet. There's no doubt about it. But Georgia, Alabama, Look, Clemson, Ohio State are bigger programs to someone under twenty five than is Notre Dame. If you say it about Notre Dame and you're in that age bracket, you also say it about every other school you outlined. Anytime a relevant program, whether it's historical and still hanging around on that or modern and is fear anytime they walk into a building, the other locker room wants that win. And they will treat it, yes, like it is a national championship game because for them it could be. But that's not exclusive to Notre Dame. Right. Everybody goes through that. All relevant programs go through that and most of them... It appears to find a way to win most weeks. Notre Dame, to me, you know, Notre Dame was kind of playing with fire, truth be told. Because the Duke game, I mean, credit to them for pulling that out, right? Yeah. But but what's interesting about Notre Dame, and I'm going to use Notre Dame, Jimmy, as kind of representative of any major program, be it Ohio State, Michigan, whatever it might be. You go from, in the blink of an eye, looking at, and this is how narrow it is, this is, this is what makes college football, to me, college football is the best, because it's always on Saturday for the most part, right? Yeah. And every game matters, and you also look at it, and you're like, okay, when you have one loss, and you're a team that, that expected at the beginning of the year to be a player or a contender for the national championship... With that one loss, you still start looking at every avenue where you can why A, you should have won that game, that is your loss, and then B, how you can offset it. Right. Then you if you lose a second one, then you look at the schedule and you start convincing yourself that you're going five hundred. Like if you're Notre Dame, you look at it and you're like <laughs> I mean, what's Notre Dame's remaining schedule? Obviously, it's USC next week. They still have to play Stanford. Um, it's not. I mean, it's not a. It's not an insane schedule in terms of what's left for them. They go USC at home, Pittsburgh at home. Then they go to Clemson, which I don't know. Yeah, that's a. I mean, who knows, right? I would. I would have said prior to the Louisville game without and without Clemson had played that they should win that game. I don't know about that one anymore. They should beat Wake Forest. Um, and then Stanford. Yeah, I mean they they probably won't lose more than one more game, maybe two, right? Yeah, but still, I mean, but but don't you become you're like, oh my gosh, it's it's whoopee they get to play in a bowl game that doesn't matter. It matters for athletics. It matters for dollars. It matters for the kids in the program. What bowl game are they going to? If you had to pick it right now, I I've gotten lost in the sauce 
of lost I know. in the sauce. I've gotten lost in the sauce. That's what the kids say nowadays, of Jake. Where, <laughs> Come on now. Of where the bowl game assignments what, are. What sauce versus, are you lost in? I don't like I don't know. Like what bowl games are I, I forget now what bowl games are like mixed in in the playoff rotation there used versus to be, what's it's lost in the sauce and he's him now, Jake. I didn't say that, but you can. I know. You can I was letting him. him. I was letting him know. I've, I've heard fine. that he's him. Okay. Right? I'm big on the pronoun stuff, right? I mean, I'm that's, him. That's big. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If you get on the fourth floor, they love that stuff. Okay. Let's <laughs> see here. Um, I'm looking up bowl predictions to see where they have Notre Dame going now. Like, like, I mean, you guys know I'm a Clemson fan, right? I went to Tampa when they played in the national championship game. Um, it was hard, and my buddy Al Larson, great dude. My buddy Rob Lynch, great dude. Um, my friend Lisa, great gal. All Iowa State fans, and Iowa State played Clemson in the Cheez It Bowl a couple years ago. And Al Larson and I made a bet on a t- the T-shirt bet, and then we we contemplated just doing a bet of a box of Cheez Its, which is probably the entire reason why they sponsor that, right? If they win out, maybe the Peach Bowl, maybe the Cotton Bowl. I could see them getting a New Year's Six Bowl if they are a two-loss team. I'm looking right now to see where they've got them. Otherwise, it's probably the Holiday Bowl or, God, the How Music City Bowl, the How about Gator this? Bowl, you guys maybe. want to go to Inglewood, California, SoFi Stadium? The L.A. Bowl, baby. Mm. L.A. Bowl, yeah. Colorado, Wyoming. I do want to go to SoFi. It's on the list. Colorado, Wyoming. Who's in? Let's go. Okay, I'll go. I'm still looking for Notre Dame here. Some of these bowl games, I mean, you're like, what is this? Like the, the, the blue cheese mold bowl? Like, what is this? You know what I mean? It's the mayo bowl. The Duke's mayo bowl. No, no. That is that. That is the most horrifically disgusting thing ever. <laughs> I will not participate in anything having to do with mayonnaise. In any way, it, I'm not, if Clemson went to the Duke's mayo bowl, I would not watch base, based so you on don't, the fact So you mayo. don't put mayo on a tenderloin? Wait, this can't be right. Somebody has pretty, what's that? No mayo on the tenderloin. I don't put mayo in anything. Oh, man. Mayo's mayo on disgusting. the tenderloin. Mayo on the tenderloin is delightful. It's, no, oh. there's nothing delightful about it. How about mayo and coffee? How'd that go? No, right. Yeah, no. Come on now. Big pass. Horrible. Guaranteed rate bowl. By the way, Purdue and BYU. Could that be possible in Phoenix? Did you were you unsuccessful in your hunt for another name? Which is fine. But I'm still looking for another name. Clem. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Duke's mayo bowl projection. Clemson and Florida. <laughs> oh man, full circle. Davo zero. Davo Sweeney mayo dunk. Please. Zero, Please. zero chance. I would. I would watch. Here we go. Notre Dame and Florida and the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Yeah, it tracks. Yay! Hang the banner. And Graham Mertz. Tax Slayer. Good the Lord. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. <laughs> okay, Jimmy. At least they're thanks, there. Thanks, Brom. At least they're there, Jimmy. <laughs> at least they're there. <laughs> The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day will start first in the world of baseball. We'll take the Atlanta Braves to get off the mat and win on the money line over the Philadelphia Phillies. But no such luck for the Dodgers. We'll take the Arizona Diamondbacks. Is it plus 136 on the money line over L.A.? For Monday Night Football, Devontae Adams has an anytime touchdown score in a revenge game for him. And Eddie, if you can, please hit me with it. The Raiders get it done. 
tonight over the Packers okay, on Monday this Night Football. Is so messed up. Give me the Packers plus money here. This is such an easy bet, Jimmy. You're falling into the trap. The Raiders offense, horrific. They only have Adams. I understand they have Josh Jacobs. That Packers defense is good. I think Jordan Love will be able to get it done through the air with his arm, even though Aaron Jones will be out tonight for Green Bay. Looks like we got ourselves a good old-fashioned bake-off. Okay. By the way, uh, Eddie, do you have the breaking news sounder? Thank you. Would you like to go ahead and update us on the breaking news, Eddie, that has just come from West 56? So Shane Sykin doing his annual Monday press conference with the media says annual, that... Annual, you mean weekly. Weekly, thank you. That's what I meant, weekly. Um, that <laughs> uh, that uh, Anthony Richardson did suffer an AC injury is what he labeled it as in the shoulder. Gardner Minshew will start. They have not decided if they will put uh, Richardson on injured reserve. Okay. Uh, JMV has just walked in. You tweeted out hysteria. Hysteria. A little hysteria going on injury-wise. You know what, though? It makes sense, considering what this market has gone through at that position, with injuries in general, but at that position, there's a lot of hangover still with, oh, do we get the right guy? This guy is going to now be injury-riddled. You're not going to be able it's to like trust It's like a PTSD, him. right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you'd have to outline that for me a little further. That's why I went with hysteria, because Def Leppard sang at 87. So, yeah. Yes. Nah, no, but no, seriously, I, I think there's a lot to do with that. I'll tell you what else. That was a very impressive win. I know that Tennessee's not that good, but newsflash, neither are the Colts. Right? And to get that win under those circumstances with all that was going on, loses to seven consecutive, a five-in-a-row loss to Tennessee, and really doing it to Tennessee and turning the tables in a tough fashion in which they did, I was impressed by it, given everything in mind. You know, they, um, John, we talked about it. I, there is a, a precedent in this market of players drafted high that unfortunately, like they just – football and basketball-wise – that once the injuries settle in, then people just become convinced that player's never going to be healthy. It may be that we, you know, five years from now, yeah. we might look back and laugh about it. You remember when we thought Anthony Richardson was yep. going to get hurt all the time? But but it certainly is cause for concern. I mean, I get First it. First five weeks of the season and the little in which he has been out there and the inability to finish games, sure it is. Yeah. But knowing what everybody around here has gone through, it stands the reason why everybody would be freaked out. And rightly so. That's the way it's been. It's what you've gone through and where we are right now. Did you say you liked my hat, by the way? Is that what you were You know what? At? What year was that? I have a Miami Hurricanes from 1987. Is that corduroy? No, it's... Because I got the corduroy. No, but this is... I, I remember because I was a freshman in college at Kansas when I bought this. So this is 92. No, nah, that's badass. Right and I, I got it, it just because it's so random. It's a Wyoming Cowboys hat. I got it just because it was... You remember that? Back then, the deal yeah. was... In those days, when you got a hat, you had to get one that was just like a random, you know. Yeah, I always liked the the turd and mustard color. There combinations always really cool too. <laughs> it's better like than mayo. the Padres. It's better than mayo. Like the Padres. <laughs> it's like I the mean, Padres. Yeah, I mean, turd and mustard is always really impressive color color <laughs> scheme the, for me. This Do you is hate the mayo Smith too? Padres. Uh, no, I love them. I okay, put mayo. Right. Yeah, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. No, man, okay. So I'm gonna say it like Lou Gossett Jr. Neil Brown, did. who is like the finest chef in Indianapolis, just said that mayonnaise on a tenderloin is sacrilegious. Well, I'm sorry, I do it well, all the time. What, it's Tell me what Neil would say is satisfactory to place mayonnaise on. I, I put mine on bologna and Colby cheese. Big ra- and that I'm a redneck. Big round full moon Colby cheese and bologna and white bread. Boom, right on top of it. Yes. With mayonnaise? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we talking a dollop or are we talking about like... A dollop. Bang. A dollop. No, we're going to spread that stuff out there. There we go. Yeah. There not we go. Not quite the spreadability of Wynn Schuler's cheeses, but it's nice. Mayonnaise is so bad. By the way, you said you had a Miami Hurricanes hat. Did you see what they did on Saturday? 
Oh, yeah, that was great. Mario Cristobal. Yeah. So, and that's the second time he's done that. For those that are unaware, Miami was right. leading 34 seconds to go in the game. All they had to do was take a knee at uh, against Georgia Tech. They ran it up the middle, fumbled. Georgia Tech recovers and then has time for basically an uncontested, not even a Hail Mary. I mean, it was a designed play to win the game. Yeah. It made me feel slightly better. I know no one feels bad for Notre Dame, and it's fine, but that's another franchise that is resting on its laurels that yeah. does have that type of stupidity. And Miami, it, it was thought better. Miami that this was like the big year for them, right? That that they recruit, you know, they started getting a bunch of recruiting. Yep, and, yeah. he can recruit, but you know, part of uh, the representation of Anthony Richardson is Melvin Bratton, who, of course, got really everything started down there. If you remember, um, when everything started with uh, with. Uh, Howard Snellenberger, right. and then through Jimmy Johnson, and then obviously into the uh, the Erickson era. But he represents Anthony Richardson. At the start of the season, we talked about how Miami is coming back, and Miami's back because those guys, as you know, with Reggie Wayne, have a great deal oh, of pride totally. in that program, and that was probably a lot, pride, you, man. a lot of pride lost because that was as massive of an embarrassment as you can possibly have in coaching. You know the difference between and Miami- we've seen some embarrassing coaching, haven't we, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> you think? You know the difference between Miami players and myself? Miami players love the you, and I love the me. There you go. That's that's the difference. Put that on a t-shirt. I love the script hat. You know, my I have a picture where I have it. I, I, I'm in a Beastie Boys pose, and I'm doing this, and I've got it kind of tilted to the side. Oh, yeah. What yeah. year was that, you think? 90? Um, It was probably 89, 88 or 89 when the picture yeah, was I, taken. I bought the hat in 87. I still have so. the majority of my hat still have from it. those I'll wear days. It. Uh, all right, John. Yep. Bring us home uh, for the rest of the day. All right. John's up next. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back at you. Stephen Holder of Miami, by the way, with us tomorrow. We'll talk to you at noon.